Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, September 19th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I am in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Guten Abend. And Stephanie Cook. Two weeks in a row. Yes. <laughs> winning streak. It's a winning streak. It's a winning streak. <laughs> it's a major league. Two? Not quite a one. Yet, Two. Two. Um, now, you're probably listening to this on Wednesday or after, um, but... We record this on a Tuesday night, and it is Stephanie's birthday today. So happy birthday, happy Stephanie! Birthday. So what did you? Uh, what did you? What? Uh, heard you bought yourself some presents for your birthday. I did. What did you get? Well, I bought myself. I, I'm a very generous, you know, gift giver. So <laughs> I, I, I bought myself a cabin in the woods on Blu-ray. Nice, mm-hmm. good choice. Um, I got myself Casper. You know, some Devin Sawa, Christina Ricci yes. on DVD. Good choice. Um, Civil song. And, and my prized possession for this evening um, was I was walking by the store. I had no intention of buying this whatsoever. I saw it and I was like, this needs to be mine. <laughs> and um, I bought pajamas and they're basically a Batman onesie um, complete with cape and cowl. And of I'm currently awesome. wearing them. <laughs> While we record? While we record, nice. I, I, I have the cowl on. Um, you guys, unfortunately, won't see video that you guys who are listening to this, but Bobby, Bob, and Steve got a chance to see it a little bit before the show. And, you know, it's I'm, awesome. In I'm, my I'm, I'm pretty jealous. Opinion. I got to I gotta admit, I'm pretty jealous. All you need is a utility belt and you're good to go. And Batman voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more of a an Adam West. No, it's I, I, black. I mean, it's more of a Tim Burton Okay. Then on Adam I, West. I feel like I might just kind of plead insanity and just wear this everywhere now. Like a little kid, you know. Like my little kid cousin, he's three right now. And he just got one of those Spider-Man suits complete with muscles. And he won't wear anything else but the Spider-Man suit now. <laughs> mm-hmm, of course. And I'm a little bit jealous that he gets away with that. Why can't I wear Batman onesie everywhere? Sure you can. I'm pretty sure you probably can. I think you should try. Yeah. yeah. I think you should host trivia. Wearing a bad face. Well, that would be the place to do it. Would be yeah. the, would be the trivia yeah. night. I think you should just like go to like a fancy dinner with your Batman <laughs> onesie on. Yes, I, I think I I'll should too. I, I mean, and I, I was planning on wearing these. I, I got these other um, boxers at Target, and mm. they're Batman boxers, and they also have a little cape on them on the butt. Nice. And they're the greatest. Oh, <laughs> so those are kind of awesome. Just. FYI, everyone. <laughs> they sound kind of awesome. Come out to Toronto Geek Trivia to see me wearing either Batman boxers with a cape or a Batman pajama onesie <laughs> with a cape. 
Awesome. I think either one is is a win. It's worth the trip. Yeah, worth a trip to Toronto Geek Trivia. Absolutely. Um, so... <sighs> How do we I don't know how this? to follow up. I'm, yeah, we're, I'm, we're I'm, done, I'm, I'm pretty think. stuck on that. There's no natural segue. That. Yeah, I'm just picturing like, can I have everyone's attention? And like, she's already got it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we, ha- you have our attention. You look like a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> I am, bitches. Um, they won't challenge your answers if you're wearing a Batman onesie. I can no, guarantee you that. No, absolutely not. You tell your friends. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> do, you, do you swear that's the answer? Yeah. I do. Swear to me. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and you just throw in, you know, what people so, are disputing the questions. Don't are disputing Batman. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so other than Batman onesies, uh, fun news: ordered my new iPhone. Yeah, last week, yay. iPhone five. <laughs> so I also bought myself a present, and I ordered myself a Wii U. Yes, I did oh. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. So it should be fun. What um what uh, launch titles are you thinking of getting? Um, I'm probably definitely gonna get new Super Mario Brothers U. Yes. Um, you know they ask me at GameStop like they always do like, do you want to reserve for these games? And I'm like, no, I know there's gonna be plenty of games. I'm not worried about the games being there. Thinking about Zombie U as well. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I haven't played uh, Darksiders two yet, which and, is awesome. Right, and I want to play it. And I figure I want to get use out of my new system. All of the DLC and all the extra stuff is going to be included in the oh, version with the really? Wii U. Yeah, so oh. I might just get that one because I haven't played it yet. Um, and I got the premium bundle, so I got Nintendo Land with it, which is all yeah, the mini games that's and stuff. that I got too. Yeah. So, you know, I'm excited about it. I think the tablet thing is going to be cool. And one of the reasons why is because I have an iPad already, but when my girlfriend Karen is here, she loves using the iPad all of the time. <laughs> and to the point where like I don't sometimes I don't feel like it's mine anymore. So uh. so I'm gonna I'll hand her the, the Wii U tablet and be like, you can play on this and I'll just use my iPad. Oh. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a double edged sword on that Good one. Thinking. Yeah. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. <laughs> Absolutely. Um what launch tiles are you gonna get, Steve? Um, I'm definitely picking up the new Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. and uh, I put money down for Assassin's Creed three. Okay. Um, yes. I, <laughs> um, originally, I had my reserve for the Xbox, but the, um, the guy that was telling me that between like graphically and just mm-hmm. the interaction with the tablet and everything, that it's just it's going to be the better version. Yeah. Um, and just an excuse to have another title on the new system. Yeah. Um, Zombie U, I'm I'm a little on the fence about just because I mean it looks cool. And I think the reason that I would get it would be because it looks like it's going to definitely give you like a crash course in the functionality of the device. Right, yeah. So I think for that reason that mm-hmm. it, it might be worth picking up. Yeah. But the game's probably going to be $60. And yeah, now that Nintendo's going into like the $60 range, yeah. you no longer have a system where you can, you know, you have that $10 window. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like a lot of fun. Once you get bitten, you're done. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the the necessity to kick ass is going to be there. Yeah. Um, I'm just worried that it's going to spend too much time on, like, those those launch games where it comes out and it looks really cool and then you get it and all it is is, like, a glorified tutorial. Yeah. There's a very... It's like uh, Red Steel for the Wii, which was the thing right. with the, the sword and the gun and it was supposed to show off what the remote could do and it was just not a very good game. A cool concept, but right. not, not a very good game. And that definitely has a chance of being that. Right, like it, it looks cool, but it also it looks very rudimentary. Mm-hmm. It looks very bare bones. Yeah, and that 
kind of worries me. Just if, if for the price, it yeah. worries me. Yeah. If it was like a forty dollar game, yeah, I would say you know no doubt. But right. with it being going to be sixty five dollars at the end of tax, mm-hmm. it's going to have to be. I might have to hear a few things about it first. That's a, that's a good point. I'm also thinking about uh, getting uh, Call of Duty when it comes out on that because I don't Ooh. really play online. Like I'm not a big online gamer, so I don't need that big network of people. And it might be cool just to have it to play it on that. And there's functionality with the pad as well. So cool. I'm interested in that. You know, I I'm obviously more interested in the Nintendo stuff. Like Pikmin Three, I don't think it's coming out on launch day. That's my game. But it's gonna come out in the launch area, and that is is a really cool, colorful, original Nintendo game that I'd really like to play. So that's the reason I bought the system. Really? Oh, really? That and Luigi's Mansion Two are, okay, the, cool. are the are the two reasons I bought it. Very cool. Um. I think Luigi Mansion 2 is coming out on 3DS, though. I thought that was a 3DS. Uh, I think it's both. Okay. There's, um, there's actually a functionality with the tablet that um, one of you can be Luigi, and you can have up to five players, mm-hmm. and your other friends can control the ghosts. And you can actually, on your screen, yeah. you'll be able to see the character, and you walk around. I think you were telling me about that. Yeah, that's that, a right? Nintendo Land, though. That's a Nintendo Land game. Oh, really? Yeah, it's part of Nintendo Land. Oh, oh I thought that was part of the uh, the new one. No, that's part of Nintendo Land. Uh, one of the cool things about this tablet is that you know, it has a screen on it, so these Nintendo Land games... Like, you can play with four other people, mm-hmm. and they can be playing, like, there's a Zelda one where they go around, like, bashing enemies, and everyone has, on the screen, they're split into four, four sections, and they're walking around killing the enemies, and the person with the tablet is another player who's, like, a, um, an archer, and they're walking up, uh, you know, separately on, like, a, on a ridge, shooting other enemies that oh. are fighting. So, it allows you to do cool stuff like that, which I think is going to be interesting. The other thing it allows you to do is, let's say I'm playing Super Mario Brothers on the TV, um, and, we, and there's a show that we have that we want to watch. Right, right. I can switch the input of the TV over t- to the cable box, and then I can play the game on the tablet as long as the system is on, as long as it streams. Wow. So it's cool, you know. And I, I think it's, I think it's really good for people who have multiple people in a household, or I think for families, it's going to be a dream. Yeah. Because you don't have to worry about it anymore. You can be like, I want to play. My kid wants to play Mario. Just let him play it, and you can watch whatever you want. You know. Now, the Wii was a whole physically interactive thing. Mm-hmm. Is this still part of that? You can still use the Wii remotes with it. All those things are still compatible, so I'm sure they'll still come out yeah, with games for it. tennis rackets. And yeah. All the and all the Wii games will still work on this. So it's going to be the same thing, but it doesn't have the same emphasis. It's, okay. This is their new thing, you know? So we'll see what happens. Um, we haven't talked about video games in a while, like seriously. No. That, that was fun. That's been a while since we Borderlands 2 came out today. It's true, and I have it. And yes. I played a little bit of it. I didn't play a ton of it yet. I played it for about three or four hours today. Ooh. Nice. Yes. Nice. I know Stephanie's been bothering us to play Gears of War 3 again. I have. I missed that. That was a lot of fun. It was. It was a lot I of fun. I think it would be a lot of fun. I mean, Borderlands 2, I'm going to pick that up, and hopefully we can all have a big talking comics, you know. Beatdown. Brawl. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think we should all at some point in time have a Gears of War 3 brawl with all our listeners I, and anyone else who has Xbox. Live. I told you, so I said fun. anytime, I'm down for it. And the thing about Gears of War compared to Borderlands is that you, Borderlands, you can only have four people, and Gears of War, we can have a lot more than that if we want to do like a big, huge mm-hmm. thing. That's I think, true. didn't they expand like with three, like with Horde and all that stuff to like 16, or is it? I don't know, actually. I haven't checked. I mean, I know they did a big update more recently. I think so. it's like eight people per team, so okay. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. That would be cool. Oh. Absolutely would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so from video games on to comic books. Yeah, let's uh, you know, let's get the big thing out of the way first. Let's talk a little about AVX. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's the penultimate issue. It's big. Um, I want to. We're going to see what's uh, the deal with that. Um, just so you guys know, um, 
we want to talk about spoilers right away, but I want I do want to mention I do want to discuss a little bit like the big thing that happens at the end. So we'll get let you know before we talk about it, and and then we'll let you know when we're done with it, and I'll even mark it in the show notes when we start and when we finish talking about the spoiler at the end of AVX. If you manage to avoid it, which would be a miracle, because if you like comic books and you've avoided it, I have no idea how you would do that. So, but non-spoilery talk, AVX 11. Bob, what did you think of it? Well, it seems as if finally it's an issue that's really filled with stuff, where mm-hmm. maybe all the way through there should have been events of, of consequence all along. There are a couple of them here, really yeah. big ones. Um, Scott is still being handled pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. You know, he's where he is over as, as they've written for the last dozen years or so, and he does some really crappy stuff. Yeah, needless to say, lots of action. We have some. Very big Avengers things going on here. We're still in the not spoilery part. So. Right, yeah, no, no, no. Um, moving into 12, I, I like to think that, okay, 12 will give us some revelations that'll be nice. I, 40 issues into tie-ins and this book, it's still not pushing mm-hmm. all the buttons for me, but better, certainly right. better. The last few have definitely been a tick upwards. Gotcha. Um, Steve, what about you? Um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I really did. I, if my memory serves, I want to say that it's been my favorite of the main books. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, the rounds, not necessarily any of the, uh, the yeah, tie-ins yeah. or anything, but, um, there were a lot of aspects of it that I really enjoyed. Um, one of them on the very first page, I don't think this is spoiler territory at all, but there's, um, the opening page is Captain America kind of just talking into like this, you know, the, the, cavernous yeah you know environment and it's almost as if he's talking to god mm-hmm. and you find out obviously he's talking to someone else <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i won't spoil who that is yeah. but it was just it was really it was it was neat because i was just i was like well this is different this is kind of strange mm-hmm. and then i you know i turned the page and i'm like ah yeah. i mean I, I i knew he was talking to someone but it was just it was it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't. It it kind of t- hit me from left field. It was kind of like a weird way to start an issue, but uh, it felt appropriate at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, what's up? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Stephanie. I was just gonna say, like, I mean, you guys know I've stopped. I stopped reading it a while back now, mm-hmm. and I mean, Steve, you weren't really particularly impressed with it either. You were kind of in the same boat as me. Yes. So, at this point in time, would you recommend? me to hop back on and finish off the series or is it still so so as far as like as as a series as a whole well i was just about to get into this because um i've actually been reading something i'm gonna tie in one of my books of the week really quick while we're talking about this um i started reading x-men prelude to schism and um what it's done for me is it's really put the character of scott summers into perspective and it's got a lot of um just the the vibe there's there's there obviously the schism was a huge crisis in in the you know uh, Avengers or the in the X Men universe mm-hmm. that it really what's going on in AVX now is is very tied to the mood that was in this book and it's making me appreciate AVX more so than I have been in the past several months. Do I think that you need to that you need to jump back on? Um, no. I, I, the, the event overall, you know, if there have been like a handful of really satisfying, not even really satisfying reads, but just decent to, to very good reads versus excellent. I think there's been maybe four 
out of the entire event, there's been maybe like four issues where I've been like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the math doesn't add up. So I would, okay. say no. I would say no. So thus far, like minus the conclusion, because we haven't got there yet, how would you rate the series out of 10? With 10 being, you know, <sighs> highest quality we can get. I'd like a 6.5, I would okay. say. So, I mean, okay. Basically. Yeah, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know what it is? It's just, when you look at, it's, it's big. It's really big. Yeah. It's a huge, I mean, and, and I know that you don't have to get them all. I know you can just follow the main one. But if you want all the pieces of the puzzle, you're going to have to, you know, do, and God knows how many trades are going to come out for this thing. <laughs> You know, there's going to be the main line thing, and then there's going to be a whole bunch of tie-ins. I wouldn't sure. be surprised if it was like, you know, eight volumes worth of stuff. Right. Um, the AVX Omnibus. So, Go ahead, Steph. So speaking on that, then, would you, I mean, for me, you know my taste pretty well. Yeah. Uh, would you say, if I wanted to finish it off, would it be something to kind of go back and pick up the trades I've missed, or just pick up, wait for the trade paperback? No. No. For you, No. No, absolutely not. I don't. I don't think that. I think that if you had bought it and and spent all the time to get what what I what I've gotten out of it, I mean, I've gotten some enjoyment out of it. But I mean, for the most part, it's just been kind of ho hum. It just it took way too long to get where we are. And even though this issue, I have to say, is a very much a payoff issue one spectacular issue or or two spectacular issues out of eleven does not equate to my full enjoyment of the thing. But as far as my knowing you and knowing what you like and your taste, I would say absolutely not for you personally. All right. Um, well, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, for me, now, I... I I started off when this thing first started buying a lot, almost all the tie-ins, and very quickly I just stopped doing it because, you know, it's too much to read. It's it, it's it's too ancillary. It doesn't really... I, I found quickly that most of them did not feed into the main story very well at all. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and there's good aspects to that because that means you can just buy the AVX story if you want it and not have to worry about all this other stuff. Like, you know, I still bought Uncanny X-Men and Wolverine the X-Men because I was buying those books anyway and they're very good books. But those books didn't really tie in that heavily. They were just very side stories. So I just kept to this book and I think when I said, you know, back, I think it was around issue six or issue five and I was like, oh, this is a great issue. Um, this could have been a, you know, six issue series, not a twelve issue series, and there would be nothing wrong with that. I, I think if it is compressed down to six issues, I think it would, we would have had a very different opinion from what we're talking about right now. If this was issue four of a six issue series, and there had been maybe one issue that we weren't crazy about, but two that we really liked, and this one was amazing. I, I think we'd be much more positive than we're being right now about it. I think there's caveats every time we talk about it. You know, it's like, it's good, but it, it, it's been too long. Or it's good, but it's it's taken too long to develop or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, from, like, what I read of it and what you guys have told me about it since, um, it really seems like it has that same sort of problem that I have with American TV where, like, there's 22 episodes of a TV series that only needs 6 to 12 and the rest is all mm-hmm. filler. Um, yeah, I mean, that can happen sometimes. And I mean, I think that's, that's an apt comparison to, to some, you know, subpar, uh, television shows. I will say this. I think that issue 11 is pretty, in my opinion, pretty fantastic. Um, I think it's gripping from panel one to the last panel. I think that the stuff that happens really works. I think the themes that it's presenting are really cool. The 
Professor X, uh, Scott stuff, like the you know in Scott's mind uh, stuff. I think it's is really really well done. I think that the relationships they've been setting up for all of these different issues, I think, pay off here in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think that they've driven Scott to the point where they're driving him to a point of no return, and, and I think that in a lot of ways. I think they almost agree with the way that what you said, Bob, which is treating Scott in a certain way that they need to get away from. And I think they feel like though they need to push him to the absolute brink in order to start bringing his character back. Because they did a quick change. I don't. I, I, I think that the Marvel people don't think that's acceptable, you know, because there are probably some people who are invested in this kind of mad Scott, you know, yeah. story. So you got to pay it off. You know, you want to get back to the more Boy Scouty, Scott Summers, you can do that, but you have to go through this stuff first. Um, I think the I think the book is looks stunning. I, I, I oh think yeah, the art is gorgeous. Uh, the Oliver Copiel, I think that's yeah. how you say his name. It's just beautiful, wonderful art. Do you think that um, maybe the fact that they had several different writers on the project throughout the twelve issues factored into the inconsistency in quality? It's it's very possible. I mean, I, I, but I think that some some events are bad when they have one writer. I, I, I think Marvel has a good enough staple of writers where I, I think it could have worked very, very well. And we've um, said good things about all these individual writers yeah. over the months on their own books. I, and they do have big sort of board meetings where they all sit around. So I, I think it's, it's the idea of the whole thing. Again, it's the decompressed storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's things we've seen before. Even, even the Scott Professor X thing, we're still in spoiler territory. It's... The Phoenix Saga. We've mm-hmm. seen this before. It was Gene and Professor X. Right. So this is not new. Mm-hmm. We're, so we've spent 12, 11 issues to get to something we've already seen. Right. Um, I think, um, if I could just throw something in yeah. there. I think one of the things that um, that hurt the event, for me personally anyway, was, um, let's say you are following all the tie-in issues. Um the tie-ins, they like there. There's no. They said that if you just if you just get the tie-ins and you read them as they come out, that you'll have no problem. Like that's the order they're supposed to be in. I'm calling bullshit on that yeah, because I one of my favorite issues of this week was Wolverine the X Men number sixteen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. First couple pages of it though were you know they kind of veered off, but they involved the events of AVX and. It was like it's like stepping stepping into a time machine and going back like two three months to when you know all five of them were still powered up and it's right. and it's just like mm-hmm. I don't I, I I'm confused I feel like I'm being pulled in all these different directions and there's no like aside from the mainline books there's nothing to hold onto that you'll know exactly like there's no there's no compass. It's right. all, it's all like the compass, the needle is spinning mm-hmm. and you just, you don't know where you're supposed to go next. Right. How do I read this? How do I read this from A to B and just have it be a, a cohesive, smooth ride? Right. It has not been, it has not been that. Right. In, by any stretch, from my estimation, mm-hmm. and I've been following the damn thing since page one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just it's readers being pulled in all directions, and I, I think that that kind of daunting style of reading is uh, is a deterrent of the event itself. Yeah, was yeah. it the last New Avengers that even had a, a logo on the first on the splash page? Make sure you read 
and it was two issues back before huh. you read. I didn't. I mean, I haven't read really New Avengers. New, so. Yeah, it was one of those. And that's one of the things, right? So it's we're getting different experiences because I'm not reading any like any of those books, um, mm-hmm. and so I'm just kind of going through this step by step and and following along with it. Um, you know, I really did think it was great and. Absolutely. I wish that the rest had been like this. I mean, there's yes. been a couple really great issues. I think there's been, like Steve said, I think there's been probably about three or four great issues, and I think one or two good issues, and then I think the rest feel like, a lot of them feel like filler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but I think that, you know, this especially, that I think, you know, this is Bendis's first really great issue, and I think that he really, really kicked ass uh, 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 you know the, uh, these characters yeah, no I mean this issue was fantastic yeah. it was I mean if if not that all of it would have been like this but if it was even close to as good as this was yeah. throughout then it would it would have been great it would have been something to boast about but yeah. it's like when you have an issue like this that was so so excellent it really kind of puts the other ones into perspective mm-hmm. and you you see what could have been and it right. winds up as great as this is. Most of it just ends up being a disappointment. Right. Absolutely. Um, now, do you guys think we need to talk about the the, the spoiling thing? Do, you, do we want to talk about the big thing that happened in this issue? I there might still be people that don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I would give a spoiler warning and tell people to go on, but I, I think that we've said enough about the issue. I think. And, uh, okay. We, I think we can move on. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So we're leaving the AVX talk behind. No spoilers. Don't worry about it. After it's all wrapped up, we can. We can kind of go over everything that happened and be spoilerific about about what happens if we feel like we need to. And by then, Marvel Now will be starting, and I'm sure there will be like a ton of fallout from it. And it'll be all over every website in the world, so I, I won't feel so bad about it. Yeah, they'll be plusing and consequencing and all that other kind. They of will. Yes. They'll be doing yeah. both of those things. <laughs> all right. So let's talk um, book of the week. Uh, Stephanie, what do you got for us? Um. Well, truthfully, I've been reading a whole buttload of Why the Last Man. And um, if I haven't emphasized enough that this series is fucking phenomenal, <laughs> you need to get on this right now. Um, I've been kind of marathoning my way through the entirety of the series, rereading what I've already read and going over some stuff that I haven't got to yet. So again, read Why the Last Man. Um, but jumping ahead a little bit, my book of the week is going back to Revival. Um, I got my pause on revival number three and, um, you guys, if you're not reading this series, <laughs> I, I don't know how many more times I can say it. Fucking start series, reading yes. it. Go on. <laughs> Go on. I just, I love how serious you are about it. Like, you <laughs> guys, you're all bubbly and then all of a sudden you're like, guys, <laughs> revival. <laughs> it's Batman voice. It's the cowl. It's yes. possessing me. Read the book. <laughs> Read Revival. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. I'm going to be out of a um, job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seriously, um, I, I don't want to say too much because I think it's still kind of embargoed a bit right now. And I haven't read issue number two. <gasps> you haven't read issue number two. Well, that's your fault. I'm waiting until later today. I will purchase <laughs> number three and then I will do all three books over again. That is the way right. I would, I've chosen to do it. All right. Well, I don't think this is out for another week or two, but um, basically... <laughs> sorry. Go well, on, I'm sorry. It it's just so great. I can't get enough of this series. I as soon as one issue's done, I want the next. And I, I, I don't honestly remember loving a series this much right off the bat. Um it's so well written and it's so well drawn. The covers are fantastic. Um I mean Tim Seeley, Mike Norton, and 
um, Jenny Frisson? 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 Yeah. <laughs> you should have just, just stopped at the first yeah. two. You should have done your little Stop at the first two. <laughs> Anyways, she does the covers. She's phenomenal. Um, I-, I love the series. You guys need to all read it. Awesome. End it is story. pretty fantastic. I'm very, very excited to get my get my pause on number three, which is, is out today, Stephanie. Is it? Yeah. Booyah! Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Whatever. Obviously. <laughs> Trying to make me look like a fool. <laughs> happy Joel, birthday, indeed. Like yeah. <laughs> we just took back happy birthday. Yes. Yeah. I know. What's up with that? I just snuffed the candles on your cake. Yeah. Uh-huh. I put a candle on my own cake. Thank you very much. I know. You sent me the gif of it. It was pretty special. I know. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay. I'm lost. Gif? I totally... I, I, I mean... <laughs> It's like a little I, I, animation. I don't want to go too oh, off topic. The but... dinosaur thing I showed you. Oh, okay. Go yeah, off topic, Stephanie. Go cupcake. ahead. Pardon, sorry? Go off topic. Go ahead. What about the cupcake oh. we want to hear? Well, today, I mean, it's hard to celebrate your birthday midweek. No one's really around. So I, I'll be celebrating my mer- birthday on the weekend. But to myself, I bought myself a cupcake. And then I went to the dollar store and I bought myself a candle. And, you know. It was the saddest birthday ever. (laughs) (laughs) I put a candle in my little cupcake. I blew it out and then I ate the cupcake. And I I made a gift. I made a (laughs) motion picture of, you know, said shenanigans. Right. Of course. Like you do. Sounds like the start of a bad tween book, doesn't it? It was the saddest birthday ever. (laughs) I just, I went to the store and I bought a cupcake alone. And I went to the dollar store and bought a candle alone. And then I went back to the house to eat it and I blew out the candle alone. (laughs) Where's my cupcake Judy Bloom? But we're here and all of the internet was all in a tizzy over your birthday today. You are very loved and got lots of birthday wishes. It's a holiday. Yes. And I'm sure the cupcake was delicious. I had all the feelings. I saw <laughs> that too. <laughs> oh, that's all right, I missed that. So once again, a month later, revival number three, <laughs> a book you should pick up. Um, and today. And today, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying a month ago she said pick up revival number two. Now she's saying pick up revival number three. It remains greatness. Yes, it's true. I don't. I try to make it a point not to re- repeat my books, but revival guys, if you're not reading it, fucking do it. <laughs> All right. Fucking that should do be it. on the book. Yeah. yeah. If you're not reading it, if you're fucking do it, fucking do it. It's definitely talking comics. Yeah. All right. So from revival to another indie book, Steve. Yeah. Tell us about your book of the week. Well, I'll t- I'll talk about a book that uh, that absolutely needs to be fucking read if you're not reading it, and that is uh, Punk Rock Jesus from Vertigo. Uh, number three came out this past week, and oh my god, pun intended. Uh, it is absolutely, you want to talk about, uh, you said Revival is a book that you want the next issue right away. Um, Punk Rock Jesus is is my book that, uh, I mean, aside from from Saga, where I just, I want, I want it to be done. Like, there's three, it's three of six. Um, it's written by uh, Sean Murphy. And it's just, this issue in particular, the first two were were good enough. Like, it was a good, like, cool sci-fi start. If you don't know what it is, it's basically um, taking the DNA of Jesus Christ, they they find it in something, and they um, use, uh, I guess, uh, artificial insemination yeah. to, uh, to birth another Christ figure. And they turn it into a reality show 
where they kind of keep him captive with his mother on an island and he's learning how to be the next savior. And of course, there's all kinds of like, you know, religious groups going nuts over this whole thing. Anyway, it's a really, really, really sweet, cool setup. But this issue in particular, every single page of this issue was moving. It was very like from the minute it opens up, you're right back into the action of where they left you the last time. And in my opinion, the the it it's one of those issues that it covers a lot of ground where it moves throughout several years of the story mm-hmm. instead of just staying in in the moment. And by doing that and by doing so much of that, it felt to me like like this issue is going to make like sometimes you get something that's six parts and it's too short. This is an issue that stretched the story and stretched the series for me that I when it's done I'm going to feel like it's a completed full work just because there was so much context and so much stuff going on in this one issue that it extended and expanded the mm-hmm. the run itself for me. And I also this isn't spoiling anything, but one of the things that there's, I can see them doing is one of the scientists that works uh, on the island as a part of the show, she has a daughter, and she is. they're now trying to integrate. His name is uh, – the Christ-like figure, his name is Chris. They're trying to see how he does with friends, and since she's the only little girl uh, on the show, it's only natural that they would pair them together. However, they're very different personalities. Um, I definitely see them – making her out to be they're there's trying to pull like a, a a god and the devil kind oh. of thing going on and i just i i think it's really interesting and i can't wait to see where it goes it's very subtle but it's definitely it's definitely there yeah it's interesting because it seems like what they're gonna they're kind of splitting the series into two parts which is the first two issues were very much contained they went over I think about a year period but they mm-hmm. were very contained to really a story about the mother and the bodyguard and the development of the show and then this issue it starts there but then it zooms forward in time you know it's yeah it's five years and it's another five years and you've gotten to a point where you know this Baby, who was a baby in issue two, is now a young adult. He's like a twelve-year-old, or at some point yeah. by the end of the issue. Um, really interesting stuff. And what I like about it the most is that uh, it avoids being overly political about the thing it's doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's not tr- preaching at you some message about you know. I mean, there are people who call the like Bible stories bullshit in the book and stuff, but it's not. It doesn't feel like the author is telling you this is what you should believe. This is what I believe. So take it. You know, it just feels like this is a story he's writing, and it happens to be about this thing, and that comes with an awful lot of baggage to deal with. Mm-hmm. But he seems to be like, I'm going to tell my story, and you kind of take what you will from it. Um, and I'm not going to force it on you, which I really like, because it could have fallen down this trap where it's, you know, you know, I'm not a religious person, but it could, but it could fall in the trap where it's very anti-religious or very, very anti-whatever or, or very pro, pro yeah. and it doesn't do either of those things. It kind of gives you, it's kind of more anti-media than anything else in, yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways. So, sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I have all the books, but I haven't had a chance to read them yet. Um, is this compa- is, is it comparable to anything else? I really would say no. Yeah, it's tough to compare. I mean, th- there's elements of that, you know, kind of futuristic, ridiculous reality show thing going on where you could kind of look at st- other stories that are about that. 
you know, but it really, what's going on is, you know, the story of uh, a kind of kid with a lot of expectations on him and people who try to take advantage of him is not a singular story, but the way that the wrapping he puts around it is incredibly unique. Well, it's because of who he is, and it's also, I mean, to in my my opinion, if there, there was a book that came out uh, several years ago where it was actually about uh, Christ coming back and what what we would do to him if he were to come back. Mm-hmm. They put him on TV. They uh, we basically we ended up killing him again. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just one of those. It's one of those things that's always been very interesting to me of that. If we were ever afforded, let's say that it was all true, and we were ever afforded the opportunity to have a figure like that come back into our lives and to be the the focal point of all nations and you know prove everybody right or wrong, that what would we do? We would turn it into a reality show mm-hmm. because who wouldn't want to be in on the ground floor at all times for something like that? Yeah, and then you get to the point where it becomes it's been around for a while that people will start to become disinterested. How could you become disinterested with, you know, the second or third coming of Christ? Right. <laughs> so they got to spice it up. Yeah. And they got to, you know, they got to cause trouble for this Christ-like figure. And it's just, it's exactly what we would do. We would, so, we would fuck with it. Yeah. So is this like America got powers meets the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it's much more, it's, uh, I mean, America's got powers is, is very good. It's very entertaining. But this is much more, I think, poignant, much more powerful. Um, also, it's not. It's. I don't want to say that it's heavy-handed because it isn't. There are actually some really funny panels yeah. uh, in this issue in particular. Um, it's very. It's just. It's highly entertaining, and it's not. Nothing about it is in your face, with the exception of like the action. The action when it happens is really intense. Yeah, it is absolutely, and I love love the bodyguard character uh, Thomas. I yeah. think his name. He is great character because he you never know what he's gonna what he's do. gonna do and it, it's just a ton of layers to him the executive producer of the show is an evil son of a bitch i mean it's like yeah it, it's pretty he's a pretty great character to hate yeah um yeah it's it's cool and there's some stuff that happens early in the series that they haven't really brought back to roost yet mm-hmm. that i'm interested to see how they do it it's a really really good really good book um and the art sean murphy does the art too it's all yeah. it's like penciled and stuff and it's it's great. It's all black and white. Yeah. Um, really beautiful. But great pick. Um, any other books you want to talk about, Steve? Um, somebody else can go really quick. I'll come back. Okay. Uh, Bob, what do you got for okay. us? Well, a um, couple of older things because they are sparked by new things coming. So I went back with Kelly Sue DeConnick's Ghost coming out this week, or yeah. Ghost Zero. <laughs> uh, went back to the original Dark Horse. The first uh, trade little thing actually came out. It's called Ghost Stories. came out while the series was running. And it reprints all the oddball beginnings. It was part of Comics' Greatest World, which is a thing that Dark Horse launched in 93. So you get to see who Eliza Cameron is. She's, without giving too much away, but then she was a reporter murdered while investigating a mob story, comes back as this avenging ghost character with no knowledge of who she is or why she's dead, only she can walk through solid objects and teleport through space and so on and so forth. And so what we have here is a whole little introduction to this character. This is available pretty cheaply. This is around for next now. The omnibus volumes are around too, but they pick up after this. So the first couple of bits aren't there. You still get the story, but not everything. But if you can find this, it, this was $10 in its time. It's now probably about 3 <laughs> Um it, It's Eric Luke who basically wrote the entire first 36 issues, and it's, it's very 
internal, lots of internal monologue. You get to hear what she's saying and thinking. It's very different than what you would think it is based on the covers of, which seem very sort of bad girl art, but it really isn't that at all. So you told us kind of the origin of who she was, mm-hmm. but what does Ghost do? Who, what, what does she do? Who is she? Well, she, again, is she materializes in a bathroom okay. of a club where she's been murdered, just sort of floating above the floor. Why? She doesn't know. Who she is, she doesn't know. Okay. She just needs to figure all that out. And it's now that journey through the underbelly of a city that turns out to be a mystic hotspot. And so once she finds where she's headed, it goes somewhere else entirely. Okay. She has to reconnect with a family she doesn't know. Her sister is a mess. The bad guys are after her family because they were after her. And since they, once they find out who she is, you have those other problems going on. Hmm. Really well done. First three issues of the regular series are done by Adam Hughes, who did covers for yeah. five through seven as well. <laughs> nice. And I, I, I have gorgeous. that as well. I have the collected issues of that, and I've been meaning to read it for ages. Well, time to get back into it, because <laughs> from what we read of what Kelly Sue is going to do, she's bring it back to the beginning in a new place. I think Eliza will not be sure of what's going on again. She's been pulled back after this character hasn't headlined its own book in, in more than 10 years. <laughs> wow. And- Tying it back to Revival, Jenny Frisson, 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 whatever her name is, <laughs> she does the cover. Very nice. Very cool. So you got to <laughs> mispronounce her name twice. Yep. Maybe she does this next one, too. But um, one of them. Um, because Steve picked up the Doctor Strange season one. Hell yeah, I did. Uh, I went back. There was a miniseries back in 2010 with the same artist, Emma Rios, who's also going to fill in on Captain Marvel a couple mm-hmm. months out here, and written by Mark Wade. Doctor Strange Your has lost. Thumbs up. Well, and he, he's great at revisiting these characters. Doctor Strange is now not the Sorcerer Supreme. He's done some bad stuff. He's gotten his powers sort of pulled away from him. He's able to do sort of parlor tricks and little things, but not what he could before. And he's back to his hands being unable to do anything. Ooh. Uh, we start the issue off at a baseball game. And there's this teenage girl who's just sitting around tweeting because she doesn't want to be at the ball game, but her grandfather's the manager. There's an incident with a foul ball, which gets this whole thing started. So we're introduced to Casey Kinmont, who is one of the great characters. Steve, you're going to love her when you read this. Trust me. Um, it's a Steve likes the ladies. Yes. But it's, it's, what happens is here, this, this young girl ends up being the thrust of the whole series, becomes Stephen's apprentice, because the ball game in question is a demonic ball game. It's about a, a Satan contract from years before <laughs> and he fixes yeah. he fixes her eyeglasses so she can see what's really going on in the ball field it's a bunch of demons playing a giant monsters and she doesn't know what's going on oh that's cool but he knows that she's a natural at doing this i wish that was real baseball oh, nice. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it would it. certainly help on some of those slow ones it's like damn yankees <laughs> yes but but much much worse yeah. because what's going to happen the entire stadium will be sucked into hell okay Stakes. So, right. A lot of stakes involved. But as we go on, she's, as she describes it, magic is having a stroke. Because Stephen isn't able to do what he can do. Everything is all fouled up. Mm-hmm. So we revisit lots of the other magic characters in the Marvel Universe, his villains, tons and tons of really cool imagery. Emma Rios is just really amazing. The first time I had seen her, it's sort of anime. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, but it works in, in questioning. It's sort of the whole tentacly thing going on. 
Emma is just so great. She's spunky and 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 free, but tender at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just called Strange. It was four issues, and I'm sure they're in the quarter bins nearly everywhere. Yeah, they're um they're in there. I saw yeah. them. Uh, I saw them the other day. Yeah. Um, and if anybody's interested, uh, just last week, Doctor Strange season one uh, was released. It was a hardcover. Absolutely awesome. Uh, if you don't, I, me, myself, I wasn't really too familiar with Doctor Strange's character, and it is the absolute perfect way if you want to read something new, but with, you know, the old, with the old origin, with a little bit of a spit shine on it. Um, the art is Emma Rios again. Absolutely a little busy, a little bit busy, but highly, highly entertaining, and the writing is absolutely stellar. I think it was, a. Uh, Greg Pak, yes, that yeah, did once, that. Yeah. Yeah, who did yeah. the Hulk or has been for mm-hmm. years and years. Um, now. It pulled me in right away, and, and it, it didn't let up. And you gave away a digital copy of that. Last I week, did. Didn't you? I don't remember. It was one of our uh, brand new followers, so he lucked out. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was see, psyched. That's another reason you should be following us if you're not already, because we give away great shit. Yes, true. we do. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely true. And, and we hit we 700 have some followers. More giveaways that we haven't announced yet, so we do. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. More times. details on that later. Adding another one today. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody because we went over 700 followers. Yes, we did. This week. So thank you to everybody out there. Who is officially 700? Do we know? No, I don't know. No <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's really tough to tell those things. Um, and we're really close to 200 on Facebook too. We are, which is pretty cool. That's wow. a pretty big number on Facebook. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, poor Facebook. Actual, <laughs> yeah. Actual actual book of the week. Uh, Batgirl Zero. Okay. Um, I really thought this was going to end up being Barbara Gordon's return from the crippling to come out of the chair. I am so happy that it isn't. Not that that's not a great story. We're, we're investigating a little bit at a time. But we get a Batgirl origin for this universe and this continuity. And it's the forces that drove Barbara to be a hero and, and the things that are there. And you start with, you assume... It's all about her dad. Right. And it's not quite. She's got a thing for the bat. And it's a day at police headquarters that goes horribly, horribly wrong, but right, because she fixes it. Yeah. And she is so strong and powerful. It's all the things you'd expect Barbara Gordon to be. Mm. And it is just out there. Uh, So thrilled that it's Gail Simone doing this. I mean... that she decided to go back and redo this character after, you know, it could have been somebody else at all. You get a lot of, actually the whole thing is internal monologue. It's mm-hmm. all Barbara. You hear every thought she has, every bit and piece. She's got to protect her brother, looking out for her dad, and this really horrible human trafficker named Harry. Yeah. Who's not a nice fella. No, he's not. Nice. Uh, art is really good. Story's really good. If it's a, I'd say it's a great jumping on point. The problem is issue 13 is part of the story arc Yeah, with the, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's tough. But it, it's a good place to start and then go on to issue one. You yes, know, go and, back around again. Yeah, and that trade is out. So it's yeah. a great, great place to jump on. I mean, it's really great. And it's interesting because they're doing it in this, and I believe they're doing it in The Dark Knight as well. They're starting to reestablish uh, the, you know, James Jr., Mm-hmm. As as a villain, and and he's been a villain before in the Batman universe, and you know there's hints at this here, there's hints at other places as well that he's going to be coming back in, in full force. Right. We also see a glimpse of a Bat family that's not quite what we've seen before. Yeah, as if now what year this is taking place and isn't really spelled out. It's not. It's got to be. Now the end of this book leads directly into the the Killing Joke moment yes. where she gets paralyzed, and I believe they say that. She was in a wheelchair for 
three, three years. Three years before. So this has got to be three years before um, Batgirl number one, uh, the end of this book. And the mm-hmm. glimpses we see of other things probably are five years ago, probably mm-hmm. uh, probably around there, like the her swinging around with Robin and Batman, who Bob and I were talking off mic, it's got to be Dick. It, it, you know, it can't be... Damien, obviously, because yeah. Damien would be seven years old or whatever. <laughs> or, but it's, a, it's an awfully young dick. Yeah, I mean, if he's, but he could be 13, you know, and then or 14, and now he's 19 or 18, so that could uh, work. It's closer, but he's a, he's a little 13-year-old. He is. I mean, the, 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 I, he's a little, he is. Oh, come he's on. He's a little dick. <laughs> I didn't says, say that. Get it off, it's I did fine. not say I'm that sorry. at all. But looking at this panel, it is. I think the, the panel is, the way it's... Constructed is a little um, is deceiving. Everyone's looking. Everyone's looking. Yeah, just because, you know, I'm just trying to see it because it's a panel with Batman really big in the front. Right. Uh, His head's further forward towards us, 3D than anyone yeah. else. Barbara next, and then Robin way in the back. And he looks small compared to the other two uh. figures. But if you look, like his leg is going out way back behind, you know, her body. Okay. And he could be a bigger. I mean, the, the, the weird thing about it is that. Because of this odd continuity thing we've got going on with, was Tim Drake really Robin at this point in this continuity, whatever? It looks like Tim Drake Robin. Yeah, that's See, what that's it looks like. That's the first like. thing I thought. But if Tim Drake was never Robin, then it can't be. You know, it, then it has to be Dick Grayson because it, it's not. And I don't think it's Jason Todd. I mean, no. that's another no. thing, but I don't think it is. Um, I think it's got to be Dick Grayson because she mentions in, on that page she got a boyfriend and they. they the, you see them having a coffee. Yeah. And the Dick Grayson Barbara relationship exists in this new continuity because they deal with it a lot in Nightwing and a little bit. In, oh, see, it's, I don't read yeah. those, so there you go. Yeah, she comes to see him and there's all that stuff going on. So, uh, But it's an excellent issue. I mean, her origin is really cool and it's. She is different because she doesn't come to being Batgirl out of a tragedy. Like, she doesn't become Batgirl because someone dies or she's a maladjusted youth. She becomes Batgirl because her dad is a hero. He he is the the most you know upstanding man in like probably the entire world, yes. and she lives in a city where this guy is doing all this extraordinary stuff, and she wants to be great. Right. And I think that's a really cool thing. She doesn't have to have this tragic origin. Well, she describes herself repeatedly as sort of driven, and she's yeah. looked at as different, and that drives her to something else, which is not any different than it ever was. I mean, I just also went back to Batgirl Year One from a couple of years back with Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon, and it's it's the same idea. It's a little more fun-loving, if, no, if people haven't read that, but it's still, well, she wants to do the right thing. Barbara's always been about that. Right. It's nice to see that that's carried through to the darker New 52 universe, that there's still a lot of heroism for her. Yeah, and it's also it's always cool to see like how they got the costume and stuff. You know, It's yeah. not the most important thing, and it's a little bit... Campy, you know the, the it's fun though. It's, it's it absolutely yeah. it's a lot of fun. What did you think of the issue, Steve? I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Of course, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it was. Um, in my in my opinion, I think it's been one of the better Batgirl issues in general um, in the past couple. Not that they haven't been good, but it was. It's definitely a standout of the. It's funny that's all the way back at number zero. Yeah. Um, but it is definitely one of the strongest issues. The. Um, just the interior monologuing really gave you a sense of who she is. And the whole purpose of of the Zero Issues is to give you that background and that origin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of them, I have to say, like, in general with the Zero Issues, I've been pleasantly surprised by more of them than I've been disappointed by them. Yeah. But um, a couple of them in particular, Batgirl being one of them, that it was just... 
it did what it was what it set out to do, and it did it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot. It's another issue where there was a lot. They covered a lot of ground, and all the way through, it was entertaining. And the art is, in my opinion, is gorgeous. Yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah. Stephanie, did you get a chance to read Batgirl Zero? I haven't. I've actually. I, I think I'm behind a couple issues on Batgirl. Um, I've been saving up again now that I've kind of caught up <laughs> on them, but yeah. I, I want to. Um, you guys know from the last couple of podcasts that I've been really, really digging Batgirl and what Gail Simone has done for uh, Barbara Gordon in the universe. So obviously this is one of my, probably the most anticipated uh, issue number zeros for me. Yeah, it, it was really pretty great. Um, speaking of zero issues, uh, just go real quick. Uh, Batman Zero, not surprisingly, is very, very good. Uh, yes. Snyder goes about it a different tack than a lot of people are going about it. It's actually a little more similar to what uh, John said with the Green Lantern number zero, which is he doesn't want to take a break from telling his story. He doesn't want, he, he's not going to do just a story about Batman younger and learning how to be Batman because we've seen that story a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he doesn't think it's necessary, you know, to use Stephanie's famous <laughs> phrase. Um, so he goes about... Uh, you know, um, kind of cementing, starting to cement Joker's origin in the 52 because, you know, at one point Joker originally was the Red Hood and then along the way they've changed it and tweaked it and and it seems like in the 52 that's what they're going to be doing because this seems like this is going to be who the joke, yeah. who, who becomes the Joker, um, which I thought was very, very cool. The inclusion of the Red Hood is interesting, especially now because of Jason Todd taking sure. up that mantle. So it means other things to people now. Um but I, it, yeah, I, I, I didn't know it either. And so yeah, I, I, no, I, I didn't, didn't even really. I didn't yeah. even really think about it. Me like neither, because it, it says at the end it says to be continued in 2013. And I'm like, oh, they're going to do a storyline with the Red Hood in 2013, and then I'm talking to people and like, no, that's the Joker. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes it even better. Uh, then yeah, I have to read it again. <laughs> yeah, so not like I needed an excuse to read it again. <laughs> yeah, or anything, but. I know. I also like that you get Bruce kind of being a little bit bratty, you know, with yes, Alfred being like, I know what I'm doing. And it reminds me a little bit of Damien, which I like. I like that they kind of oh, link yes. them together in a more sure. of a way, showing Bruce younger, showing him a little more resistant to authority, not really listening to Alfred. I thought it was great. I love the conversation with him and Gordon on the roof, and I love the ticking clock of the Batarang being stuck into the yeah. wall, and it's coming back in five minutes or whatever, and he's kind of like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but still being cool on the face of it. <laughs> I love the fact that he lives in Crime Alley, Right by Crime Alley. I don't know if they've ever done that before. I don't think so. No. With him, I thought that was a really interesting twist. Um, so I thought it was really great. Uh, and the backup, I think, is just fantastic. It's another James Tinian yeah. backup. It goes through uh, Tim Drake, Jason Todd, Dick Grayson, and Barbara Gordon, and the way that the first appearance of the Bat Signal kind of affects them all. Yeah, like where they were. And where they, they were. Yeah. And I thought that was just so cool. That last panel is... The last panel is great. Amazing. With Barbara standing there looking up at the bat signal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being like, I need a minute, I, I thought was yeah. great. Um, it's... I love the nod to the old Nightwing costume that Dick is wearing. Um, showing Jason Todd in that early... Those early times, I think, is pretty cool. And it's the first time you really get real Tim Drake in the new 52. I mean, he's... I, I want James Tinian to be writing a Tim Drake series right now. Hmm. So I loved it. Steve, what do you think of Batman Zero? I think I got to read it again, is what I think. Because <laughs> uh, I read that that was like sandwiched in with a whole bunch of, like, I read, I read a lot yeah. this week. And I think sometimes 
that when you're you're reading as much as we do, you know, to cover things for the site and just be up to date with everything, that a lot of stuff gets lost in the shuffle. And I don't know if I extracted as much enjoyment out of it as I should have, because now listening to you talk about it, and especially making the Joker connection, mm-hmm. um, I definitely have to go back. But I did love um, the backup in the end with all the the, the bad signal stuff. And uh, it was excellent, but it was funny. You have it in your hand. The one that stood out to me was uh, Batman and Robin number zero, Yeah, which I, I thought was phenomenal. It, it's great. It absolutely is great. It's it's fun to redo because, like I said, I've been reading that Grant Morrison stuff, and it doesn't really retread things. I mean, it visits those the times and those Grant Morrison stuff and the introductions of Damien, mm-hmm. but it's nice to see that that stuff is still continuity, that that stuff still belongs, and it's just more Damien. So I mean, you well, can speak uh, to it, obviously. It was yeah. I mean, it was it was more Damien, but it was also more Talia. Yeah, and yeah, it was absolutely. More, it was more you know seeing Talia with Damien and how she was raising him, how she was taking care of him or not taking care of him. Uh, the whole I mean, tough love is a is a very weak way of yeah. putting it. <laughs> but um, I just I've never I don't I've only seen flashes or it's only been talked about as far as what he's been put through. Um, and I just thought the presentation of it was, uh, was very good Yeah, that there was, there was one page in particular where it was just, it was a series of events over a couple of years of his training that it just goes to show that how much you can do with just two pages where if you split it up and you, you, you know, measure out the panels correctly and you just do a good job with it, you can tell a story that spans a long time within two pages Yeah, and they did that and and more. Yeah. I, I thought in that issue when I put when I put that down, that was one of the ones that I threw in my you know favorites of the week pile because mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, and and I just I love Damien. He's probably my favorite Robin as of right now, and I just I really enjoyed getting to see where he came from. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's fun because if you if you've read Batman and Son, which is the introduction of Damien, um, the you know the last moment of this book is right before he makes his appearance. Uh-huh. Into into Batman and Son, so you know you don't get to see that in that in that series because it's obviously in a Batman book, so it's his perspective. So it's cool to see that lead up to, to that moment. Um, and then the last year issue, real quick. Um, oh, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Oh no no no, go ahead. I thought you were just finishing up. I wanted to bring up something else, but carry on. I, I was just going to bring up Team Seven. Uh, oh, I read that n- number zero real quick because it's introduction to a new series. And after reading it, let me see. What would you think of it? Um. I, I'm gonna, uh, I liked it, I guess. Um, I'm gonna kind of give it a pass just because of what it is. It's like I said, the whole zero issue, the whole point of it is to, especially when you're starting off something new that's starting with a zero issue, all you're gonna get out of it is the introduction of your characters and not much more. Uh, and that's exactly what it was. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, I thought that the, the, the moving around from character to character, that the the hosts of how how these these people kept on showing up uh, at precisely the right moments uh, <laughs> was interesting and it was kind of it was fun. Uh, I like the writer. I like what he did with uh, with Luther Strode. So I'm willing to give it another issue or two. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm it's one of the, I'm not a big team book. I'm also not a big like any of these characters. I I don't know them. I know Grifter. And I know um, Waller, right? And that's it. Like I don't know who the other people are. So, well, you know, Deathstroke. Slade oh, Wilson know. is Deathstroke. So. All right. Well, yeah. I only I don't, I don't care about them yet. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those things where because of who's writing it, I'm willing to check out another issue or two to see if maybe it goes somewhere. It wasn't bad. 
No, it wasn't bad. Um, I don't, what'd you think of it? It's a tough book to judge, and for exactly the reasons you said is it's it really does what a zero issue is supposed to do. It introduces you to all these characters. It doesn't throw too much information at you. It just says, this is the problem we have. This is why we need to make this team. Let's go ahead and do it. So it's hard to judge the writing because he really is just going through, this is this person, this is this person, this is this person, this is this person. And the fact that it's not bad gives me a little bit of hope going into the future. Can I say something, though? Yeah. I don't think they stand a chance. No, I don't think they do either. (laughs) Um, Is it an offshoot from Suicide Squad? it, it, It... it's because Amanda, Amanda Waller, Waller before Suicide Squad. That's the beginning of oh, Team okay. Seven. So this is before she goes over to Suicide Squad. And it's supposed to lead into why she ends up being the head of Suicide Squad and all this other stuff. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly where they're going to go from what issue one is going to be. I don't know if they're going to be skipping ahead to current times or they're going to stay in the past for a little while until a, a pre-story. I don't know what they're going to well, be doing. Well, I think we should mention really quick and then we'll get to Stephanie's thing. But um, Team Seven is about a group that is... Basically, uh, like an anti, like a anti task force against the super powered uh, beings, like uh, Superman and and so on, yeah. in that universe, they don't like the idea that they have so much power, and they're trying to organize a group to to either take them down or at least police them to the point where they can't um, exploit their powers as right. much as they are within the public eye. Yeah, it's just like it's kind of like Nick Fury says in the Avengers movie. You know, the the, the world's filling up with amazing, spectacular yeah. people and there's no answer for them. That's why they're building those weapons and such like that. And this is the same thing. They're making a team because they're like, listen, Superman is here. This metagene has popped up. We need to have some sort of recourse if these people get out of control. Um, and so the team is filled with a lot of anti-heroes and government operatives. I mean, Dinah Lance is a, is a character in it. She's not Dinah Lance yet. She's Dinah Dixon or something. I don't know. Drake. She, Dinah Drake. And the the guy with the last name Lance, Larry Lance, Larry Lance a, became her husband. Right, she it, was it, running a flower shop back on Earth too. If we right. want to start getting into that, but that's not, the, her <laughs> and him are are like a team, like a like a spy yeah, team. They were private detectives. Then. So in this, yeah. they're a spy team, and they're the leaders of this group, um, which is Grifter and Deathstroke, like we said, and a couple other people. It has potential. My only thing is, especially because I've been going back and reading all of these fifty-two books, mm-hmm. um, it, it just seems a little bit. It's so weird to say not realistic, but so we've got Team Seven, we've got the Suicide Squad, we've got Justice League, we've got Justice League Dark, we've got Justice League International, and it's like you, you really made all of these teams that quickly. Like in yeah. just, in JLI, they're like, we need a new team because Justice League isn't performing the way we want it to. I'm like, it's new. Like what? <laughs> They've been added six months. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, th- that that stretches my. You know, suspension of disbelief a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to go on because I think there's potential for characters like Grifter and Deathstroke if they're not the focus of their own book. So I want to see what happens with that. Um, Stephanie, you were going to say something before, and we I kind of railroaded you. That's okay. Um, to kind of take things away from the DC, uh, you know, world. Please. I, I kind of wanted to ask uh, Steve's opinion. I'm not sure if you mentioned this before, Ooh. but um, how did you feel about the conclusion of Alabaster Wolves? I have not read the uh, conclusion to Alabaster Wolves. That was one of those things that I really wanted to sit down and read all of it over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that it's very good, but now you're making, now, now I'm concerned. <laughs> what did oh. you, what did you think of it? I, I, I don't know. It was a neat miniseries. Um, I mean, it didn't really have, um, I mean, it was five issues, so mm-hmm. it didn't really have a really lengthy 
space of time to kind of convey a, a really in-depth story. Um, so I'm not really entirely sure what the purpose of the whole thing was, but it was interesting. And um, I, I, I dug the supernatural religious aspects of it uh, mm-hmm. that mixed together. I dug the art um, and I dug the whole thing. Um, but it, it kind of left me with this feeling of, is that it? No, what, it's what? that's not it. Um, they, Pardon? It's it's not it. They've um, I don't know if it's been officially announced, but I remember hearing more than once that um, somebody said that no, it's not the last time that we'll see Dancy and uh, Dancy Flammarion is the main character. Um, it's not the last time that we're going to see her. the The book's actually been selling really well, and I think somewhere around the third issue, um, they had contracted uh, for another uh, another six part arc. That's going to be following oh. up this one. So, okay, yeah, there's going to be more. Okay, I thought for sure you would have read it, so that's why I brought it up. I, I it is one of those things that sadly was in the to read pile, and then once I got to it, I was like, "What happened in issue number four? Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized that in order to really appreciate it, that I I want to read the whole thing over again, mm-hmm. and there's just been such an influx of good stuff lately that it, unfortunately it got pushed, but. uh no, if you're if if I now I want to read it because maybe we can come back to it next week and I'll I'll give you my answer. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah, I'll read it. I'll read I, it this I week. It would be something that you would dig. So I will do that for you as part of your birthday. <laughs> I will read a great comic series just for you. <laughs> I do Yay. find out I do that a lot with indie books. Is I get to like an issue and I'm uh, I'm like what did happen what happened last issue and I, I have to go back and read them. So a lot of times what I'll do I'll just stockpile a couple in a row. Yeah. So I can kind of pour through I them. Do the same. Much more than the superhero yeah. books because the superhero books I feel like I can read them month to month and not really have to worry too much about what happened last month or the events are so big that they stick in my mind. Right. But there's so much subtlety in indie books that I want to be able to appreciate all of it. Well, like um, Brian Azzaro's yeah. uh, Spaceman. Right. It was excellent. And I read the first six and now it's done. I didn't read the last three because I wanted just to wait until it was done. But yeah. I've had it for two weeks and I haven't just, I haven't read the whole thing over again, which is what I want to do. Right. I'm waiting on yeah. uh, American Vampire, Vampire, American <laughs> Vampire Lord of Nightmares mm. uh, to do that with, to just collect it all together and read it straight through. Because um, I found myself being like, who, what happened here? What happened this? Getting confused with the American Vampire main series. You know, so I just, I want to do that. Um, Steph was going to say yeah, Oh, sorry. Even like the Massive. Like, I think I might have enjoyed the Massive a little more if I just waited for those first three issues to be collected and kind of read them all at once. I haven't read anything past number one. I've just I, been kind of chilling on it. I've been collecting it, but I'm I'm just going to kind of hang out for a bit. I absolutely agree with you. I think that in the end, the Massive is a better series to read together in, in, in spurts than to just read issue to issue. Um, but issue number four is out, so... It yeah. is. It, it is. started a new arc. Yeah, started a new arc. Mm. So um, I I have actually not... That's one thing I'm doing with that, too. I, after I read all three of the first ones, which I still liked, but didn't have that same fire for that I had for the first issue, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for these three to come out, and then I'll read them all together and uh, you know get the full effect. Doing that with Saga, waiting for the trade, actually, which comes um, out the same week as issue six, basically. Yeah, since we're talking about the massive really quick, one of the things that I read uh, was by Brian Wood called Supermarket Okay. Um, the other day. And it was really, it's one of those things that, I think it was three issues when it came out, and you're reading something, and you like it, you like the art, you like the tone, you like the character, and then it's over. Yeah. It's just over. Yeah. Like it it fell and this is not a criticism of the book, but it's just one of those things where it was such 
it was it was a really cool setup, a really cool vibe, um, great language, great digs at society, the whole bit, and people with money and whatever. And then it was like, we're only giving you three issues, so you got to kind of wrap this up with a nice big bow. And within like the last seven pages, just like do to do to do the end. Right. I was like, what? Why? <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, so that's another book, yeah. right, Brian? It's it's decent if you could find it for you know, I guess like a, like a nine ninety nine er. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to check it out, or maybe I'll let you borrow it in some other lifetime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and before we end this very long book of the week segment, um, I want to talk quickly about Avenging Spider Man number twelve. Um, it features Deadpool. And I think that builds a character for at least the three of us here who we have like a, 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 either a dislike for on Bob's yes. case or mm-hmm. Steve and I, we haven't read very much no. of him. So it's more of a, I've seen little bits and maybe I liked him a little bit here. I didn't like him a little bit there. So picking up this book, um, Avenging Spider-Man has been a series I've been really enjoying and I didn't know what to expect from this. And I have to say, I really, really loved it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon made into comic book form it it's ridiculous it has a premise that's just insane um which allows it to have insane imagery and insane things happen and um a lot of fun stuff um, happen there's a lot of a couple panels that made me laugh out loud mm-hmm. um and it's self-referential and it uses deadpool in the way that he's been used i think lately maybe to better effect than than lately but i loved it bob your person just totally dislikes that character what do right. you think of it i love this uh, read it just before we went on the air. It is just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to give away the the premise of this, but it is off the wall, filled with weird. Uh, if you if you're into looking for chicken fat stuff flying around in the background, tons of guest appearances by mm-hmm. the most bizarre cast of characters ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, references to movies, journeys to shop class. <laughs> um, that was the best one. Yeah. <laughs> It is. I am not a Deadpool fan at all, but mm-hmm. it, it, this is now not filled with the usual stupidity <laughs> and ultra violence. It, it, it's, it's done in a way that there is consequence, but not really. Yeah. So it's all in the sake of fun. Yeah. Which is it, it works for me entirely, and then we get a couple of nice left turns that come all the way back around to yeah. something different. Absolutely, Steve. What about you? Ah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I read that um, I think I had three hardcore uh, Deadpool enthusiasts in the room <laughs> when I read that um, that were staring at me the whole time that I was reading it, like looking for my facial expressions to see if I would crack a smile. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm a very, of, of all things entertainment, of all genres, the hardest thing for me is comedy. Um, I have a very, very, very dark sense of humor or just absolute ridiculousness where you would think that somebody like Deadpool would appeal to me. Uh, I, there, there's, there were two instances in this comic that I laughed out loud that I thought it was absolutely hysterical. Um, and then the whole rest of the book, I just wanted to punch him in the face, (laughs) which I think is kind of the point of his character that either you, you dig that approach to, to a character, to somebody, or you don't. Um, I'm still very excited to check out the new series when Marvel now, uh, launches. Right. So I will definitely be giving him a fair shot and checking him out. Um, I did like the, the inception like, uh, angle (laughs) of it and it was a lot of fun and it was very Looney Tunes and, and things like that. Um, I just don't know that I found him to be very funny. I didn't, like I said, there were two moments. I don't want to spoil them because, 
I, but it just, most of the time I, I just, I, I don't, it, it wasn't funny for me. I, I okay. don't laugh. It was like, there's Spider-Man quips that I laugh at because they're clever and they're funny. He's just kind of like, he's so self-referential and breaking the fourth wall and just all these little asides that I guess are supposed to be like just staples of who he is. Yep. That if you've been, you know, the character, you've been following him, that you'll appreciate them. But for the most part, a lot of them just come off as kind of dopey and cheap mm-hmm. to me. Um, so I, I really don't know. I, I, I did enjoy it. But I again, I've been holding off reading anything Deadpool until Marvel now. I hope that it's a really good introduction to him because a couple of people have been trying to get me to read him for the past few months. And I've told them no time and time again. Just because I don't, I don't want. I want to read something that's going to be a proper introduction to who he is. He's been around for a long time, yeah. And I feel like him just stepping into a book that I'm already a big fan of and kind of fucking with it. I get that that's his thing, but I almost didn't appreciate the fact that he was getting in the way of my having a Spider-Man story. It seemed <laughs> like it was a Deadpool book with Spider-Man as a guest, mm-hmm. as opposed to it being a Spider-Man book. Um, so. But maybe that's the point of him. I don't. I. I don't know. Well, I think I, in some cases it's the point of the Avenging Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 I'm, to, it, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. the guest is, is the bottom than line. The I really. Yeah. Just, I don't know what to think. I'm going to wait until Marvel now and see if I can ease and ease myself into him. And then maybe I'll go back and check a few things out. But like I said, comedy is just something that it's got to be really clever to make me laugh. And his stuff is very uh, almost like too goofy for mm-hmm. me. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, it's a style thing. It's incredibly goofy. Well, comedy is one of those things that's like, it's more particular than most things in, in movies or, or whatever. Yeah. That either it makes you laugh or it doesn't. Yeah. And he's just of that brand that I, comes off as cheap to me a lot of the times. Yeah. So. Totally makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. All right. Um, that's it for our Book of the Week segment. Uh, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back with our listener feedback. feedback we got a lot of emails a lot of tweets to talk about um so let's dive right in stephanie uh you collected some twitter and facebook stuff for us right yeah i did there's lots of good questions so um uh, let's see where do we even start um how about this one with samuel moon if you could put any creative team on any book who would you choose for what title for fun use anyone living or dead Ooh. Ooh. Living or dead. Bob looks excited. I've got a whole list already. All right, yeah, Bob, okay. you take it. But short of saying I want John Byrne on everything at Marvel because he <laughs> should run the whole company, uh, going for old-time stuff, I'd like to see Stanley and Jack Kirby do the JLA. Mm-hmm. Go back to the 60s, what they did with FF. If What would DC's history look like if you had given histories and, and real personalities to characters that were sort of ciphers? Right. Um... In that sort of vein, old-timey stuff, Will Eisner, who created the spirit, Batman. Okay. I don't think he ever did a Batman. And, and we can't judge the spirit on that awful movie, by the <laughs> way. 
That's not what it was like. It's a pretty it was, awful movie. It was a 1940s film noir detective sort of story, wryly humorous, really kind of interesting. That would have that would have been cool. Vaguely racist. Well, he has Ebony as a as a sidekick. Yes, it was hideous. <laughs> but it was also 1940. <laughs> One must, you know, put things into that perspective. Yes. Mm. But you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone have something else before I keep going? Or um, should I keep going? Keep going, Bob. Okay. Uh, more In a more modern way, I'd like to see Wonder Woman done uh, properly. So I'd like to see Peter David write it and George Perez draw it. Okay. All right. So someone who does great female heroes mm-hmm. and Perez, who's just one of the great Wonder Woman artists, it would be really neat to mm. see that combined. That's cool. And on that sort of superheroine vein, I'd like to see She-Hulk have a book again. Yes. That'd be cool. So Mike Allred should draw it and Kelly Sue DeConnick should write it. Nice. Ah, I mean, we, idea. Uh, do they mean Red, Red She-Hulk is getting her own book? It's not the same thing. I'm just saying. I, no, yeah, no, but no. I, want, I want Jen. I get that. No, yeah. I get that. Absolutely. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but that's a good team. It's a very good mm-hmm. team. Um, me personally, I, I would like to see um, Mark Wade and Dexter Soy ah. do Superman. That's what I would like to see. Fuck say. yeah. I like, I, I, you know, I was struggling with the artist because, I mean, I, I love Chris Samney and he seems to be like Mark Waite's guy right now. Um, and Chris Samney's art is, is great, but it's not majestic. You know, it doesn't have, mm-hmm. it's not epic. It's street level. It's street level grittier, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Dexter Soy's stuff is just so big and so beautiful. And, you know, it, 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 you feel, it feels powerful when you're reading. That, that Captain Marvel stuff is so amazing to look at. Mm-hmm. And Mark Wade, you know, I think he's a perfect guy to write Superman. I, I really do. I mean, he can be serious and he can be funny and he knows how to bring the fun into characters and the lighthearted sense of a character. But he also knows how to bring out that internal struggle of a character, you know? Daredevil is full of that stuff. Even though he's much more happy-go-lucky than he ever was in the last, like, 15, 20 years. Yeah, easily, sure. Uh, he's still dealing with all those things that make Matt Murdock Matt Murdock, and I think that Mark Way would knock that stuff right out of the park, and I think that Superman needs somebody like that on that book, you know, very quickly. Yeah. So that, that, that's the first one I got in my head. I'm going to keep thinking on it, but uh, Stephanie, you got one? Um, I think so. I, I mean, I've only read a few of the Adventure Time comics, but kind of mixing some of my favorite comedy writers um i think kate beaton would make an interesting uh contributor to the adventure time comic series mm. very interesting i still have to read hark i haven't oh. uh i haven't read it yet. oh my god it's so great <laughs> oh my god oh my god i can't <laughs> oh breathe <my> god. <laughs> i don't think we can be friends anymore i'm fainting <laughs> click Cost me the vapors <laughs> Um, that's a good one, Steve. De- what about deleting you? Deleting my contact information. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we bring a Can we bring a, a series back from the dead? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything. Any anything. anybody on anything. I would like to see uh, Jason Aaron and Fiona Staples bring back the Runaways. Ooh. I knew you were going to go for Runaways. I have to go for Runaways. The ending to it was so shitty. <laughs> it was so shitty. Mm-hmm. It was if you followed it all the way to the end, 
It was such a there's there's you know a hiatus and then there's bullshit. This was bullshit. That series was so good for so long, and then it took a little bit of a dip, and then it got better again, and then they fucked it up. Oh. And it's just it's the the team. Even though two members of the team are coming back in uh, Avengers Arena, mm-hmm. uh, Nico and Chase are coming back as characters within that. So you know, hippie Kaye. But um motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaving it for someone else. Um so yeah, I Jason Aaron who does uh Wolverine and the X-Men, he's currently doing um Incredible Hulk. He's got he's got comedy, he's got sensibility, and I just I would love to see him I mean he already does the whole team thing on Wolverine, but that's kind of a more scattered um presentation i'd like to see him do a more close-knit a more dependent team book um runaways would be perfect for that Mm -hmm. and fiona staples is one of my favorite artists and i think that um mixed with uh sarah pacelli who had done some of the art for uh runaways i just think would be a really nice compliment to that that it would kind of look like the old runaways but would have that that fiona staples edge to it Mm -hmm. um i think it would just i think it would appeal to a lot of people and like i said before don't reboot it just pick up where you left off and get that character out of where they are and go from there have maybe one issue where you summarize what's gone on give the backstory and move forward don't don't pussyfoot. Don't fuck it up. That's 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 my thought. Don't pussyfoot. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. That, them's the rules. <laughs> it's very important to me that somebody yeah. takes that and and does something with it, even if they decided to reboot it from the mm. beginning. I don't care. Just it was such a, it was such a great team. It had such a great like young adult dynamic to it that I just I haven't found in a lot of other books. Right. And it just it's just, it had such an unceremonious ending. It was like the end of Veronica Mars. Like it just mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, you know, oh, there's another disc that only has bonus features on it. There's no other episode. Uh, what the hell? Right. Yeah. You know? So you've seen it. Yeah, I have. I know exactly what you're talking okay, about. Okay. <laughs> so Veronica Mars fans, you're with yeah. me. It's a great season finale, horrible series finale. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Bob, do you have any more? Bef- yeah, um, just because they did the DC equivalent, uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez did Teen Titans for years they and did. years and years. I'd like to see them do the X-Men. That's not bad. That's a good one. It's a good one. I mean, in that brain, I was thinking about this too. I'd like to see um, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo try their hand at the X-Men. Ooh. I think it'd be I think it'd be huh? interesting take on that. I mean, it would stay a little bit dark, but I think that uh, that's it. he could handle that stuff really really well. Mm. Mm. But I like that man. Yeah, I mean the the Wolfman Perez stuff I've read of Teen Titans is fantastic. Um, and at the time, weren't they kind of like yeah competing books? And some people were saying that Teen Titans was a uh, a copy off X Men or right. whatever. And they even did a crossover. So there you go. Interesting. All right. Um, next question, Stephanie. Um, so this comes from Mr. Bill Willingham. Who's that? Um, Who's that guy? <laughs> Who's that guy? Who? Who's that? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he wants to know the most powerful female character in comics. Is she or is she not in costume? So in w- other words, is there a female super superhero mm-hmm. character or otherwise that you consider to be the strongest female character in comics and why oh okay so like okay i think this is a no-brainer for me okay go ahead captain marvel okay 
Easily. Both in personality and in actual strength? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Carol Danvers, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnix. I know, you know, people complain that we, you know, we tell this book way too much. No. Read it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Read it. And I mean, honestly, you want, you want strong, uh, like I, like I said, I wrote in my review, nothing is ever good enough for this character. To me, that is the quintessential hero in a female, both inside and out. When she's not flying around as Captain Marvel, she is a badass. Mm -hmm. She's funny. She's quick on her feet. She's resourceful. She's everything that you want out of a commanding woman. And then as soon as she goes into the Captain Marvel uh, persona, she's that times an infinite amount more of that. Right, yeah. And to me, that's just, I mean, she's she's my my number one female hero right now of the newer books. She's just awesome. Um, I mean, to me, it's still Barbara Gordon. You yeah. know, I, I think that, like we discussed before about Batgirl, I just, I love the fact that, you know, a person without those extraordinary abilities has the drive and the ability, especially to over in this new 52. One of the things is she's overcome the fact that she is in a wheelchair, you know, both physically and mentally. So I, I just, I love her as a character so much, it, it, whether she has the cowl on or whether she doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I have sort of one of each. I would okay. have said Oracle mm-hmm. a year ago because then overcoming it and still being trapped and making herself more of a hero, not in, in costume. Right was was a great great bit of writing, um, but in costume, it's the first lady of the Marvel universe. It's Sue Storm, mm-hmm. who's juggling a family and kids, and saving the universe while she's at it, and running a household and and a superhero team. I probably right. should have reached back a little bit more. I think I think Carol's a great pick. I think yeah, yeah no, I was kind of I was kind of sticking with the more the more like spotlighted characters mm-hmm. of right now. But I mean, I definitely agree with with the both of you on yeah. those picks. Um, Stephanie, Stephanie what, yeah, what's yeah, yours? what about you? Well, obviously, like there's a lot of female characters. I mean, that I find super iconic. I mean, Wonder Woman, Batgirl, both um, Barbara Gordon and Stephanie Brown. Um, Kind of speaking off the term, like the superhero terms, um, I- I'm going to go towards someone like Buddy Baker's wife, Ellen, and his daughter. Ooh, wow. Little way. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. They, I mean, they're probably not the characters that I find the most powerful in comics, but in the last year or so since I've started doing this podcast with you guys and, you know, taken on so many new comics um they're really characters that have stood out to me as strong exceptionally strong female characters um they aren't i mean little wing is very 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 powerful but they don't really she doesn't really start off with superpowers and ellen doesn't have superpowers she's just sort of married into this family but she is buddy's life she is what keeps him going she is the mother of his children and she gives him so much more to live for other than his life as a superhero. Um, but she isn't just, you know, a woman in his life. She's just this powerhouse of, you know, knowledge and support. And she's just his rock. And I think that is something that we really overlook when we read our comics. These characters can kind of take um, a major backseat to the story but we really forget that without these uh, supporting characters that our main characters would be nothing. 
So, I mean, they are really, really, really fundamental to the story. And in this case, Jeff Lemire's story. And I think that's what makes it one of the top comics in the new uh, DC 52. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, going to have to say them for now. It's a great yeah. pick. Great pick. Yeah. Powerful uh, in a different way. In a very different way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next question. Ah, uh, yeah. So let's see here. Um, there's seriously a ton of great questions that we've got. So Eric Charbonneau, he wants to know, according to each of you, what would be your ideal comic book in terms of sort of genre? Would it be like superhero, biography, sci-fi, historical, that sort of thing? Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I think for me, I, I like when genres get mashed up together into one thing and kind of surprise me in a lot of ways. You know, um, one of the things I love about a book like Animal Man is that it's a superhero story, but it's also sort of a horror story at the same time. You know, there's elements of horror that get um, splashed into it, and I love that. I love horror stories, so to have those things kind of splashed in really enhances what's going on, you know? And it's it's the same thing with um, a book like Captain Marvel, which is at times a standard superhero story, but then brings in these time travel elements and these sci-fi elements that just really kind of get me going in a lot of ways. I mean, by the end for me, it's really about, I, I, I like superhero stories, and I, but I like deep character stories told within the mm. superhero frame. That's what I really lean towards. And I think going to other genres helps that, you know? Um, uh, the same idea where if we look at, let's say the justice league, which is superhero. Yeah. I'd much rather read, as everyone knows here, Fantastic Four, which mm-hmm. is now all that science fiction elements, all the imagine what thing that Mark Wade described of them exploring and doing stuff, and then you get a family adventure mm-hmm. on top of it. So, yeah, that would be it for me. You mash them together a little bit. One or the other can be pretty bland. Yeah. And so many years out, we have combinations to, to choose from. Absolutely. Steve? Um, I think my... I mean... Um, whether our listeners have been have been with us for a while or not, I'm uh, some people know that my favorite writers are the Lunar Brothers, and their books like The Sword and Girls. Um, I like it when, uh, like you said, character driven books that mm-hmm. there it's real people placed in extraneous like otherworldly situations. Yeah, um, I think that it again it adds to like um, something like Girls, where it's just a small town and this girl shows up, all hell breaks loose, literally. But it's it's sci-fi, it's horror, it's uh, very uh, close quarters drama, and it's also the way that they speak. There's so much dialogue that I mean, when people when people are afraid in these books, they're afraid. Like it's it's real. You can feel it. Um, so my I mean my ideal comic. I mean those those are my favorites. Those are those are the ones that if I had to like be put on like a remote planet prison, and they're like you can only <laughs> bring you know a couple of books with you. Um, I would just bring a collection of the Lunar Brothers stuff just because like, if I could write characters that well, like, I could write atmosphere, mm-hmm. no problem, but dialogue, I suck. <laughs> I don't know how people talk. Everybody, <laughs> Everything that I ever wrote, like everybody talks so heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't believe that anybody would talk like this. And I'm like, well, fuck you, I do. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, li- I like books where it's, it's real characters, like uh, a, a genre where you feel like it could be you. Yeah. And you're, but there's things going on around you that are beyond your control, 
and you have to you have to rise up to the situation if you want to survive. Yeah, so more like a slice of life sort of situation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That and especially that. the superhero books with like those breaks, mm-hmm. like the um, the Avenging Spider Man with uh, Captain America and Spidey, mm-hmm. where you find out that Captain America used to draw uh, comics, like just little breaks like that. You know, people goofing off and having fun and. You know, we talked about Silk Spectre going to get go get herself some new boots by yeah, throwing yeah. a trash can through a window, <laughs> and you know, it's just to me that's that stuff satisfies me, and it, it breaks up. Not that it's monotony, but it's just it's nice to to pull back even for yeah. a page or two. Yeah, you get the levels, you get levels, right. you know, because it makes the crazy big stuff more feel more crazy because you have this little stuff, you know. Right. Um, it's like a commercial break. Exactly, <laughs> uh, Stephanie. What about you? Um, you know what? Like I read so many different things. Um, and I don't think it's so much a matter of the genre so much as the writer and the artist. Um, for example, I don't typically read a lot of biography stuff, but Lily Renee Escape Artist is one of the it's just a fantastic story. It's a biography and it's wonderful. Um, I believe Bob, you read this? Yeah, it's Trina Robbins. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um I don't typically read, again, biography, but I do read stories like this that are captivating and wonderful and inform me of stuff that I would just otherwise not know about. Um, But I think typically speaking, I guess, if we're going to kind of, you know, narrow my field down. Yes, genre-fi. It's it's hard to really say. I, I guess... I like, like Steve, kind of like the whole, um, anything that's really relatable, whether it's superhero or otherwise. Um, but a hint of supernatural is always fun and, um, a hint of things, um, that maybe aren't occurring in the world, but are very plausible, if that makes any sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know, yeah, I, I absolutely. Don't know if that, makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I don't want to steal your spot, but like, I think of something like I Kill Giants, where, mm-hmm. you know, the impact of the book might not might not hit you as hard as some people, some people that have lived through Barbara's situation. But I mean, if you've ever had a uh, a time in your life where you were really worried about someone that was close to you that you just you you couldn't deal with the reality of their situation that you kind of distanced yourself from it yeah that those those types of books i mean i think everyone's felt that at some point mm-hmm. whether it was as severe as her situation or not that you know those are the kinds of books that will affect people who who aren't even comic book readers right yeah absolutely totally that makes total well, sense yeah Stephanie, that i mean that and sort of i, I mean speaking outside of emotional kind of responses to it. But in terms of how our world can turn out in the long run, like for me, uh, Ready Player One was a really good example of a plausible world I could see in the future with virtual reality and internet kind of taking over our lives and um, the overpopulation and just a lot of things in that book struck true to what I think our world could become if we keep going down the same path um and I, I i find that interesting in comics i read Got, no that makes total mm-hmm. sense yeah absolutely yeah um next question um so dylan jones wants to, dylan jones uh, wants to know if you could keep 
just one current ongoing title on your pull list, what would it be? Ooh. Um, interesting. Uh, one ongoing title. I mean, it's Daredevil. Cool. That's what I would pick. Wow. Daredevil. Hmm. I want to say Captain Marvel, but I might, I'm actually leaning towards Journey into Mystery. Well, I mean, you say that, but again, he's going to be off of it in a couple issues, so you might not want to commit to that yet. Well, are we are we talking about something that'll just go on because we want it to? Or? Well, no, one ongoing series. I mean, I may be, right, maybe Wade I didn't never understand gonna, the question exactly. You know, the, th- the problem with well, Journey to ongoing Mystery. title, a title yeah. that is continuing, will not be canceled or has no foreseeable cancellation. Yeah, or huge changes not, though not we get sw- to. Yeah, I mean, it you doesn't could, apply. Sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Go sorry, ahead. I'm sorry, no, Stephanie, sorry. go ahead. A new writer, new artist, new anything doesn't apply. It's a title that is continuing on, like Spider-Man. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <sighs> it doesn't have to be a title that's been around, but a title that is going to continue to be around for at least the foreseeable future. Yeah. It's like Desert Island. So if you knew you were taking one book and the only book you could order was Journey to Mystery, right? No. <laughs> right. You wouldn't pick Journey to Mystery because it just wouldn't be it. No, I don't know then. I don't uh, know. You have to, you'll have to come back to me. I'm not sure. For me, it would probably be Daredevil. We know what I'm going to say, yeah. so we'll just yeah. move on. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> Four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I might actually have to go with Bob on that. I th- Very I, cool. I think, yeah. I would, I would say Fantastic nice Four. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> high five. What about you, Stephanie? Um, I would have to say probably Batman or Batgirl. Nice. Um, they're both titles that have been consistently strong throughout the years, um, Batman probably more so than Batgirl, but um, they're both titles that I've enjoyed, continue to enjoy, and I, I think that um, they will always have writers on them that will continue to bring quality um, stories to the characters and that sort of thing. So, either or. All right. Journey into mystery. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do love that series, but no, if, if put it that way, if I had to, I would say, I would agree with Bob. Fantastic Four is just the scope of, of that book and those characters is co- it's cosmically huge. It is. It's true. All right. Next question, Stephanie. Uh, Chucky Valdez wants to know, um, how would you guys feel about a Man of Steel book by Scott Snyder and Jim Lee? I mean, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. Awesome. Half great. I, um, I don't know that I'd want Jim Lee on the art. I agree. I don't see. I don't. I, Bob, I know you have a lot of baggage with the, with the Jim Lee situation. It's the whole image thing. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, Jim Lee's art is gorgeous. You know, um, his Justice League art is beautiful. Uh, and. I think with the with the with the writer behind him, like, like Scott Snyder, I mean, I guarantee you that Bob, if you looked at Greg Capullo's art on other stuff, who you know who does Batman with Scott Snyder right now, you'd be like, I don't want this guy doing Batman. <laughs> you know, you look at Haunt, which is the book that he did with, with with Todd McFarlane, you know, and Robert Kirkman over an image. It's a little crazy. So, I didn't like Lee when he was back with Marvel to start. With. Right. So, yeah, yeah, so right. it's beyond that. There's just a lot of posing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of standing, mm-hmm. and I want a Superman book to be dynamic. Okay, makes sense. So I think S- Snyder, because of what he'll bring to the depth of the characterization, yeah. you'll see, as you see with Bruce, you'll now see Clark again, mm-hmm. who's been missing, it seems like, for yeah. 15 years. Mm-hmm. Who do we put on the book to draw, though? 
that's well, not the scope of this question. Yeah, so yeah, we'll, no. we'll just move on. We'll turn it into something else otherwise. I mean, Snyder's a uh, Snyder, I think, can do anything. So I'm not going to – I would love to see yeah. him do that. And he's teased that a while. I mean, there was this big hubbub on the internet this past weekend because – he was at Disney uh, Land yeah. with his kids, or Disney World with his kids, and there was like a Halloween parade, and they were going to be dressed as the Bat Family. Yep. But before he did that, he tweeted a picture, and he was like Metropolis, and it was like a picture of him in a Superman T-shirt. <laughs> he's like, but Gotham underneath, and he picked it up, and it was a Robin costume. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh my God, you think he's doing Superman? Is it Bizarro? Because it was in the mirror, so okay. it was backwards. And I guess that could be it. And they got posted on, I think, Bleeding Cool and stuff. Really? Uh, yeah, I they think, took it that far. Yeah, I think he was just. I think he was a, just having a good time. Yeah, that, that's all I think. I mean, he's teased that he's going to do a, a Man of Steel mini at some point, but mm. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, uh, Steve, so you think it's a good idea? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, like Scott <laughs> Scott Snyder writing right. Superman. Yeah. I somebody's got to save him. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I. I. I do. I. But I, I have to say, and not to turn it into an art thing, but I do agree with Bob that I think that for all the for all the the beauty that Jim Lee has achieved with some of his stuff that I've seen, that there is a lot of posing. There is for the for for all the the backgrounds are spectacular but i do find the the characters to be a little stiff okay um i like i like them to have a little bit more subtlety in their in their their poses and their posturing and stuff like that um yeah, no, but I mean, hell, if you if you want to throw a Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Superman book at me, I'll read that shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. I'm, but I think that's yeah. great. I mean, I, I wanted to hear why you guys weren't happy with the Jim Lee part of that equation, and you guys gave great opinions yeah. on it. I, I would honestly go back, to hire a guy like Jerry Ordway, who mm-hmm. did Superman or Captain Marvel for years and years. Right. Let's go a little retro, Yeah. but a new story. Yeah, which, which raises all, everything. It would absolutely work. Yeah, um, Stephanie, what about you? you? You like that idea? I do. I mean, um, Joey Esposito, when he was on the show, really uh, drove home the fact that we shouldn't be following stories so much as creators. Mm-hmm. And um, Scott Snyder has quickly become a uh, a writer that I will follow anywhere. And if he was to take up a Man of Steel comic, it would definitely be something I would read. Very awesome. Uh, next question. Um, so Thomas Medina wants to know, should Batman, X-Men, etc. consolidate their titles instead of having eight or more? And he just adds as a side note, that's why Daredevil is the best because there's only one series. All right. I'm going to let Stephanie so, take this one first because she's been going last all, mm-hmm. these, all these questions. Yes. And <laughs> I think I've talked about this before and I can't say enough. Yes, 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 they should be consolidated because freaking hell, there are too many uh, if I want to jump on to any single title, it's like, do I read New Avengers or Avengers or Uncanny X-Men or X-Force or just like there's too many titles that have too many similar characters and themes and uh, too much overlap um, for new readers and for the sake of old readers and maybe to drive your sales upwards more, um, I would definitely think that rec- or consolidating those titles into one or two things would be in their best interest. Bob. I've (laughs) ranted about this for months. Uh, Stephanie, I agree wholeheartedly beyond that. It's the jumping off point idea. If I'm sick of buying eight Avengers books and I haven't sampled the rest of the Marvel line, 
my money goes somewhere else. So as a business model, it's better that you sample more families within the company's books itself so that you have a, a greater appreciation. So, oh, I just, I'll buy one of, some more of these instead. Right. So I, I'm, more, I'm completely on board with this. Hmm. Steve? I think that so long as they don't get rid of the ones that I personally enjoy, <laughs> they can do whatever they want. No. Um, yeah, no. I, th- I think that they should do away with at least some of them, especially the ones where you have reoccurring characters in different books that it gets very confusing as to whether or not they're still attending school. Mm-hmm. Are they part of the team now and they've graduated? Are they teaching or what? Like, it's just, it's all over the place. Um Especially for the AVX event, I mean, I was buying, uh, you know, X Men and Avengers books out the ass, and right. I'm I'm down to maybe like four, four or five. But that's to me, that's still a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there should be. I I don't know. I think there should be a, a, maybe a limit as to how many. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's like catching like, fish, well, you can I mean, only have so many. If, yeah, but if somebody again, if somebody has an idea. For a uh, a set of characters, and it's a good idea. I'm not going to stop them from making a good book. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that as far as, you know, wanting to get sales, that it's it's very daunting, Um, especially if they're trying to achieve, like, new readers, and they're doing this whole Marvel Now thing, and they did the whole DC 52, that everything is still so spread out that even though you rebooted things or you're, you know, you're putting the spit shine on things – you're still throwing several books at people that if you're looking to to get new readers, if you had like, let's say, you know, a maximum of five, just for argument's sake of X-Men books instead of eight <laughs> it or nine or, or right. 17 yeah. or whatever the hell it is that they have now, it just people would be able to sample what you have if it's a, a more finite number and choose what they like, and then just stick with that. They find their team, and they they run with it. Right. I mean, I think it makes sense for... Like, I think the fact that there's a Wolverine and the X-Men and the Uncanny X-Men books, I think, makes sense. Because it makes sense for a st- in, sto- in a story way. There's two different schools now. They've separated. There's two different books for both of those teams. Um, I don't see the purpose in having X-Men and X-Men Legacy, you mm-hmm. know, also there... And then you get into the other things, which are kind of the offshoot of offshoot books, which, like, Uncanny X-Force is not really an X-Men book. I mean, it has X-Men characters in it, but that book is totally separate from what X-Men is doing, you know? Or, like, X-Factor is totally separate from that, and a lot of times New Mutants is totally separate from that, even though they're both all technically in the X-Men family of books. Um, I, my, my thing is, I think that, in the case of something like Batman... You don't need – I think having Batman and Robin and having Batman is fine. And I guess having Detective is fine too. I mean they're not going to stop doing that series. After yeah. 80 years now. I don't think it always has to have Batman in it. You know, It can have other people in it. It can be focused on Jim. It can focus on Batwoman. It can be focused on whatever. Um, but if you want to tell a story like Greg Hurwitz is now doing Batman the Dark Knight, if he wants to tell this story, this Scarecrow story, just release it – just do it as a mini. Just release a trade. Yeah, agreed. You know, look how well Batman Year One, uh, Batman Earth One is selling right now. You could do that, you know, three or four times a year. Just like, okay, Greg Hurwitz wants to write a Batman story about Scarecrow. Here it is, Batman Scare- Scarecrow Unhinged or whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever it's going to be freaking called. And then it's, it would sell great. Right, as opposed to having Wolverine in 13 books. Exactly. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, we're, we talk about Batman, we talk about X-Men. 
you know, Green Lantern is very similar. They have Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, Green Lantern New Guardians, Red Lantern, and Red Lanterns. They have four Green Lantern books on the shelves right now, and it be- uh, Corp. Core. Well, I said core. Yeah, Green oh, okay. Lantern core, Green Lantern New Guardians, Green Lantern and Red Lanterns. So it gets a little rumbling with that too. I, I mean, but I, I always say this: the only reason they have them is because people buy them. You know, that's the only reason they have them. You know, I, I think X Men Legacy is there purely as fan service. I think it's people are upset that Rogue isn't featured in X Men anymore. So we need a book for her. So put her in X Men Legacy, and she can be the featured player in that book. So people don't complain anymore that Rogue isn't featured in Wolverine and the X Men. It keeps me at bay. So there you go. You know, and I think that's why they do it. I, 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 honestly, but if you did the core books in a more core fashion, instead of having to spread them all over the place, if right. things were more compacted, yeah. Um, you know, as far as the Avengers stuff goes, I feel like they have Avengers and New Avengers, and I don't think either of those books are going anywhere. Um, but obviously, there will be, not. what, two Avengers a month? Yeah, there'll be two Avengers. two new Avengers a month? Yeah, which, that's a whole Marvel, that's a whole other Marvel thing. Like, the fact that there's yeah. two Spider-Mans a month, and there's two, I think there's two Daredevils a month, yeah. it's, 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 that's too much. Just give me one. I understand what you're trying to do, but just give me one. Um... There's a lot of Avengers to buy. But, like, Secret Avengers and stuff like that, I think those books fill a different niche, you know? So I, I think that they're fine, but they're using Avengers as a brand. That's all they're doing, yeah. you know? Like, Avengers Arena, which is coming out, which You're is, like, Battle bleh. Royale with the Avengers. Bob no, is not very excited about it. awesome. I'm actually thinking I think it's going to be cool, um, but it's just using the Avengers brand. It could be called anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um... Next question, Stephanie. Uh, okay, so Pedro Ponce wants to know, I was wondering how you guys decide on if you should collect individual issues or wait until the trade paperback comes out. Uh, Steve, you wanted to take this? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, speaking from a personal point of view, I mean, um, I think because we were doing this that it's almost necessary that we keep up with things. Mm-hmm. But as far as making that decision... Um, I think you need to, I mean, I think it's easier that if you know when something is going to be ending, like let's say it's one of five or one of six, that maybe if you check out the initial, um, like the first issue and you get a taste for it and you think that it's something you might, uh, you might enjoy, maybe just try to keep your ear to the ground as far as whether it's continued to be good or not and, and hold off for the trade. Um, it also, I think depends on how quickly the trade gets turned around and put out, because, I mean, there's stuff that, in my opinion, DC-wise, that should have been out weeks, months yeah. ago that still has not come out. Um, but I, I, like, I like keeping up on things, so I collect things individually as much as I can. And if there's ever a chance, because we have you know several good hookups uh, from doing this, that if I can get my hands on the single issues for, for a decent price, which we always do, uh, because of Rob and Tor Comics and otherwise, that um, I personally like to collect things individually. I have much more single issue comics than I do trades, so that's just me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just becomes it's one. It's a money issue at times. Like I, I just I'll go okay. I'm looking at the, the list of comics that are coming out. I can wait on this to read it in in a, in a full, you know, set. The other thing too is more than money. It's it's mind share. You know, if I have, you know, 20 books to read in a week, 20 different series, it becomes tough to keep them straight, you know, and especially with intricate storylines. Yeah. 
sometimes I'm just like, you know, what, I'm just going to wait because I want to be able to enjoy this story all the way through and understand all the twists and turns and really get into the complicated storytelling. Right. And when I'm reading, you know, Batman, Batman and Robin, Batgirl, Nightwing, Batwoman, Batwoman, Batwoman's a definite one where, especially the second arc, yeah, it works so much better when you have when you have them all because I was. I w- I wouldn't say I was struggling, but like it it was it was rough. Well, yeah, I actually just w- went through Batwoman for the list that I've been doing, and that second arc is crazy intricate with with the way that time works. Yeah, um, and stuff like that. If I was reading the time, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just gonna leave this and wait till it's five issues in, collect it together, and read it together, so I get this. Right. Because if I had read that separately, a month by month, I would have lost it. I know. I lived it. I, yeah. So there it, you go. It was rough. Bob, what about you? Well, with the straight superhero stuff, I tend to try to buy month after month. It's been my habit for all these many years. But on these, uh, the smaller stories, read the first saga, said, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and we already had pre-information that the, the trade was coming soon after. Ten bucks. Do that, right. Fatal, the same thing. Read the first one. Said, no, I'm not going to try to keep this straight yeah. month after month. And just waited. I wish I had done that. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, what about you? Um... I, it's one of those things where if the first issue really captures me, it's something that I'm going to keep with. Like, again, speaking about revival, that was probably um, a perfect first issue for me and something that has kept me wanting to read it uh, issue like month by month. Um, but that being said, um, there's a lot of comics that would be better read as an arc. Um, and I think even though I love reading revival month to month, I think almost all comics are meant to be read as a collective arc, Mm -hmm. um, in trade paperback. So to that extent, I mean, I mean, all of them would pretty well be again, better read as a trade paperback, but if we don't support them with individual issues, then they don't, continue on past that first ah, arc. Ah, very good point. The real problem is they are now written to be collected. They're written mm. for the trade. They're written in six arcs, six issue arcs, four issue arcs, as opposed to being written as done in one, which wouldn't make any sense to collect because well, it's just a, it's mm. an annual. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, where do I sort of draw the line past, you know, I mean, everything is better all at once, in my opinion. And this is why I'm behind on a lot of series, because I save them up and read them all in mm-hmm. one shot. But um, again, it's one of those things where you get a, a, a team of writers and artists that just work so phenomenally, to, phenomenally together that you can't put that book down. You can't wait for that trade paperback. You need to know what's going on as soon as possible. Um, and those are really rare, but they do happen with all the comics that mm-hmm. come out every week. And um, you just kind of have to use your own discretion and uh, purchase the comics that mean a lot to you um, at the time. And that sort of thing, in my opinion. I have a related follow-up. Do any of us, I do, I know, buy trades after having bought the issues for bonus features. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I don't buy them because of the bonus features, but I buy them because either A, I think the series is so good that I want to support them doubly. You know, I want to like, I want them to get more. I want the series to continue. So I want to there to be the, yeah. most, like, the most evidence possible to do that. And also because sometimes, you know, I'd rather just sit down and read a trade after all the issues are out. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't, I don't want to pull out six single issues. Sometimes just picking up a trade and looking through it is so much more comfortable. And if I can get it for $8 on Amazon, it, it, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. I think it's funny that sometimes I imagine that like my nine ninety nine or whatever, like it hinges whether or not something yeah. goes well or not. <laughs> like I believe like, well, you know, if I buy it, Surely it's going to go on. It's like right, it's a yeah. Kickstarter thing. You're funding it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Stephanie, uh, next question. Um, so Big Man NFQ wants to know, um, I'm into the New 52 and main Marvel titles, but I'm looking for some indie titles. What can you recommend? And um, I think we all have a lot to say on this. So uh, Don't read Revival. I no. think Stephanie will tell you that. It's terrible. Stay terrible. away from it. It's awful. Well, um, speaking about one of the latest indie titles that I've read that isn't Revival, which is awesome, fucking buy it. Um, I, I just picked up this book, or I got a review copy, rather, of a title from Dark Horse called Bucko. Um, <laughs> stop laughing at me. I'm sorry. I'm very, I'm very giggly tonight. <laughs> I know. What well, do I know? I don't know why. I said that. Whatever. I know. <laughs> You know. <laughs> I know. I know where it's at. Anyways, but um, Bucko is written by Jeff Parker and Erica Moen. Um, and it was a webcomic initially, and they just uh, did a collected print copy of it with Dark Horse. And it's amazing. I love the art. I love the story. It takes place in, I believe, Portland. And it follows um, one character over the course of a few days. Um, and... It's like this crazy murder mystery meets this kind of wacky love story. Um, and it's, it's so much fun. And in the trade paperback, um, they, uh, Jeff Parker and Erica Moen, at the bottom of each page, they write like a little commentary about what was going on on this page while they wrote it and or drew it respectively. And, it really made the book for me. I, I didn't read the webcomic as it was published, but uh, I, I, again, I did read the collected version of it, and their commentary was hilarious. It was just so worth reading the entire thing just to hear their thoughts on how they made this book. Mm-hmm. So I highly, highly recommend Bucko. It's affordable. Cool. It's out now. Name. Go check it out. Actually, yeah, it's out today. Awesome. Well, look at that. Bob, you got anything? Uh, he's... Uh, buying mainstream superhero yeah. books. Uh, just to lighten things up then, if you're reading all those, I'd say Love and Capes, What to Expect, which is all the, the tropes of superheroes just sort of turned on their head. It's light and funny and wonderful and charming and romantic, everything you could want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve? Okay. Um, morning Glories. Well, yes. yes, yes. Well, like, hey. Yeah, I know. He asked. <laughs> Uh, I would definitely say uh, Morning Glories. Oh, Mind the Gap. Mm-hmm. Absolutely Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap is a very uh, intricate, uh, if you want to think of it as a murder mystery or a coma mystery, 
Uh, it is absolutely fantastically written, and it's one of those things that with each, I mean, if you the trade's coming out, that's going to be another uh, low price trade uh, coming out very soon. So jump on that. Um, it's one of those things where every I don't usually do this, or I try, but I never stick to it. But with this, I do. With every issue of Mind the Gap that's come out, I've actually gone back to number one and have reread it each and every time. Um, there's a new one coming out today, as a matter of fact. So I'll be sitting down and rereading it again. Uh, it just really brings out the the full appreciation of the series. And I had one more. Um, why don't you uh, mention something and then I'll go back. Well, I would say if you if you're like if you love superhero stuff but you want something indie, I'd say check out Trio from John oh, Byrne. Yeah. That's really cool because it's great and it's traditional superhero stuff but just done you know in an indie way so that. You know, there's surprises to be had because these aren't characters that you're used to seeing all the time. Um, but it f- follows those tropes, so I think it's a good idea. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Brilliant is awesome. Uh, you know, the icon thing, it's uh, uh, Bendis and Bagley. It's a, it's a great, great book, and it's definitely something to check out. I mean, we mentioned Punk Rock Jesus already. That's Yeah, that was the other one. I was yeah. Um, the Massive is great. You know, these are books that you should be, you know, you know picking up. I mean, we talked about Saga a thousand times on this show. You um, know, so Mind oh. Management. That's oh yeah, really cool too. Yep. Absolutely. Um, oh, go, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, anything from Monkey Brain, specifically a new edition of Bandit, I believe, is out. Today yeah, absolutely. As well, um, and that's something that you should definitely check out and uh, keep up with. So, Monkey Brain, guys, everything from Monkey Brain, exclusively on Comicsology. Yeah, and you can probably get all the books for like twelve bucks. Yep. Seriously, <laughs> it's outrageously cheap. Go buy them. They're all amazing. Yeah. Fantastic company, too. Really, really doing some cool things yeah, it's really uh, cool. for comics, the and way the, their distribution and everything. You are yeah. supporting like 100% artists and writers that need your support. This is not going to, you know, some big wig um, corporate company. This is you directly supporting people who deserve your money. So these books are fantastic quality. These books are completely affordable, and these are books you should be buying. So I can't stress that enough. If you have ever wanted to help any artist or writer out, this is the way to do it. Buy them, or Stephanie's going to come to your house and beat you up. <laughs> She's going to be at the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, and also, this is not a book that I've read, but uh, Melissa Megan on our site She's been extolling the virtues of archaeologists of shadow. Oh, she's like, been chewing my ear off about that. I can't wait to read time. it. Big time. Like, so much so that it was a book I wasn't in my radar, and I really, really want to read them now because of how much she's loved them. So mm-hmm. I would and definitely check that out. Her enthusiasm is infectious. It absolutely is. I mean, she's been crazy about them, so definitely check that stuff out. Um, and also, if you like sort of superhero stuff, but you want to go outside Marvel and DC, the stuff that Valiant's doing... It, it still feels pretty mainstream, but it's good stuff. They've been doing really good stuff over there. Okay. So Harbinger, Man of War. So, so that actually, that's a tie-in question to this next one. Um, all right. Adam Montgomery Shaw wants to know, what are all of your thoughts on the new Valiant books? Do you read them all? Any favorites and or duds? Um, I've read a, I've read a couple number ones. Um, I think that uh, Exo Man of War is really great. I think that uh, um, Harbinger is good. It's not fantastic, but it's really good. Um, and I believe it's Bloodshot, I think is the name of it. Uh, it's also very good. So 
they're definitely worth checking out. They had it's it's unfortunate because on Comixology they had a sale a couple weeks ago that all of their stuff was ninety nine cents. Oh. Um, and so I got a bunch of them. That's why I read a couple number ones. But they're definitely worth checking out. Um, you know, a, a smaller company that is because rebooted their entire universe uh, and has cool stuff. So I definitely say check it out. Definitely check it out. I don't think anybody else is reading them, right? No. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Yeah, so. no. But definitely, um, yeah, they're definitely worth it to check out. Um. Well, moving on to the next question then from Robert Gall. Um, what are your personal favorite new up-and-coming artists and or writers in the business? Dexter Soy. Yeah, I, I would agree. Dexter yeah, Soy is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. That yeah. Is, that's the one that stands out in my head yeah. um, the most. Well, as far as artists go, I mean, she's been getting a lot of recognition with Saga, but I think Fiona Staples has yet to kind of really break into a lot of the mainstream stuff, and I'd like to see her work on more stuff like uh, more interiors as opposed to just covers and such mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I, I absolutely agree um as far as writers go i can't really um the problem is is because i think of the amount of time at least i've been doing this um writers that i might i might not have heard of before or i think are new are not really that new yeah you, you know so i have i have no well, frame of references to us that's, yeah. how long they've been around yeah um, I mean, our past guest, Curtis Weep, he just won a Schuster, which is like a Canadian sort of Eisner. Mm-hmm. Um, for Green Wake, he's definitely someone you awesome. want to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, series ended way too soon. I could have so gone on with that. Right. I um, mean, we've had a lot of past guests that you should all kind of look out for. Um, let's see. Who else? I mean, Kelly what? Sue, she's been around for a while, but she's really just starting to kind of get into like the mainstream and, and I, she's just having like a resurgence. She's just great. I, yeah. I her stuff is amazing. I so. Matt well, Fraction too, who's been around for about... 10 years or so, but yeah. it's the last three or four. That he's really starting to break yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. I have you one guys... that's both. I'll mention Kate Beaton. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do it. Um, Oh, Hark. There you go. <laughs> Better. Better. Um, yeah. You already spoke about it once before, but another or writer that you should look out for is Justin Jordan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just came broke on the scene last year with uh, Luther Strode. So. Luther Strode was great. So if mm-hmm. you like uh, some ultra-violence, but really well-written ultra-violence, then I, <laughs> I strongly suggest that book. Um, and I believe like our past guest, Joe Keating, also has... Uh, an issue of Amazing Spider-Man coming up as well as a Morbius series. It does, yeah. So that's also something to look out for as well. So there, there's a lot of really great artists or writers that, um, you know, haven't been around for that long that, you know, are really making an impact through independent comics um, that you should be paying attention to. Yeah, I will say this too, that um, uh, Greg Hurwitz, who is doing Bat- Batman the Dark Knight right now, he's a yep. novelist. Yep. He's done some comics, uh, like three or four series before this, but um, you know, Steve has talked about it too, and how, and how good it's been. In my opinion, it completely turns around that series. Mm-hmm. Oh, you read it? Yeah, I read it. It's it good, make, right? Yeah, it's really good, and nice. it makes that series something that people, at least starting with issue ten, I believe, is where he takes over. It's something that if you like dark, darker, scarier stuff. And in your Batman, it's something to, to look out for. Scarecrow's sick. He's that, very right? sick. It's well written. It's it, it's very disturbing, but it's also very subtle. You know, it's funny because I was reading that book, and you read the first five or six issues of that, and you know, it's just it's overwritten. You know, art 
panels full of just badly written word bubbles, you know. And then in one issue ten, it just completely changes. Yeah. Um, same great, still great art, but you know, you get these quiet pages all of a sudden that are just disturbing and eerie. And he really turned that series around. So I, I, it was, I was really impressed. Nice. I'm glad, I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad I'm not alone on that because I really dug it. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, all right. Uh, let's do one more question, Stephanie. Um, okay. This is more of a recomm- recommendations type thing, so I kind of dig this question. Um, but Grant Major wants to know if we could suggest any good comics with a murder mystery theme. I Mind the gap. Right, yeah. Mind the gap. That is it's, all you need. I agree. It's really great. Um, and again, speaking of an older series that's now in its over a hundred issue, but um, going back to the very first arc, um, Fables, uh, Legends oh, right. in Exile, the very first issue deals with a very, very clever murder mystery that is super awesome in my completely unbiased opinion. <laughs> Spoilers, I'm just about to start reading, so. I've, I've read it and, and, you know, I, not to play favorites, I do agree. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. I mean, at this point, I think everyone's read this story, or and we've talked about it a billion times. But in truth, Watchmen is a really good mm-hmm. murder mystery story, and if somehow you've managed to either have not read it or not known the ending of it by now, it's something that uh, you know I think is really, really well. I done. Don't know the real ending of it by now, right? But I mean, <laughs> even if you've seen the movie, you know the who the murderer is, you know. Uh, but the book it really keeps you guessing in a lot of ways. So I'd say that's a, a great one. I mean, murder mysteries are tough because it's uh, comics are so ever moving and ever changing that uh, you know there might have been a mystery at some point that I just don't even think it's a mystery anymore because I just know the answer to mm-hmm. it. You know, so. All right. So thank you, everybody, who wrote in um, on Twitter and on Facebook. Yes. Uh, you guys are awesome. We managed to fill a whole show, you know, talking about just questions you sent us, and we could have done more because I know there's more that we could have talked about. Oh, my God. There are so many more questions. So we will file those away, and we will come back to them um, over the next weeks. But thank you guys so much. Um, at Talking Comics is the Twitter if you guys want to send more questions in. And info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. So, let's talk about what's on the shelves right now. Um, From Boom Studios, we have Extermination number four. And we have Peanuts volume two, number two. They should have a crossover. Yes, Extermination Extermination Peanuts. (laughs) Extermination Peanuts. Yeah, I'd pay to see that one. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Spike number two. Uh, Dark Horse Presents number 16, Fatima, the Blood Spinners, number four. Ghost, number zero. Yay. Yay. Uh, Lobster Johnson, Kaput Mortum. It's a one shot. And Star Wars, Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison, number five. <laughs> Such a stupid title. We're almost done with that one, I think. All right. So they're up to six extra words. They are. <laughs> they're moving up. Uh, pretty soon should be the Star Wars title written by Brian Wood. So that'll be interesting. Hey, hey. Um, from DC, we have Batwoman, number zero. Yeah. We have Before Watchmen, Night Owl, number three. Blech. Birds of Prey, number zero. No. Blue Beetle, number zero. No. Captain Adam, number zero, which is the final issue of the book. Uh, Catwoman, number zero. <laughs> that cover! Yeah. But they changed they it. They changed it, though. DC Universe Presents, number zero. 
which I don't know what they're going to do with that. I'll have to look into that. Blank. Uh, it's completely it's blank. It's blank, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fables, number 121. Huzzah. Uh, Green Lantern's New Guardians, number zero. Uh, just a really quick, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, the That Fables issue is the uh, last issue in a very, very, very uh, cool arc. Um, so that means that the next issue you'll be able to jump on. So keep that in mind. The Cubs more... in Toyland. So it's so good. It's so good. The more you know. The, the comic book edition. The... <laughs> <laughs> um, Hellblazer number two ninety five. Justice League number zero. Um, what are we? Night... Legion of Superheroes number zero. Nightwing number zero. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws number zero. Supergirl number zero. Yes. Okay. Sword right. of Sorcery number zero, which is a new series. Check that out. Um, unwritten number forty one. Wonder Woman number zero and Young Justice number twenty. Um, from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Garth Ennis's Jennifer Blood number seventeen. We have Merciless: The Rise of Ming number four. We have Red Sonia: Atlantis Rises number two. Shadow number Lots five. Of rising over there. There is Vampirella: The Red Room number three. No wonder Vampirella's there. That's yeah. Yep. Hey. <laughs> and Warlord of Mars: Deja Thoris number fifteen. Um, from IDW, we have 30 Days of Night, number 10, Battle Beasts, number 3 of 4, Cobra, number 17, Danger Girl, G.I. Joe, number 3 of 4, um, Dorothy of Oz prequel, number 4, Ghostbusters, number 13, Godzilla, number 5, Godzilla Half-Century War, number 2, uh, Kiss, number 4, uh, Pound Ghouls (laughs) Night Out, number 1 of 4. Pound Ghouls? Yeah. Pound ghouls. Okay. Is uh, that a uh, pound puppy zombie? Yeah, skin? I have no idea. But a ghouls is possessive. So it's the pound ghouls night out. So yeah, probably that's oh. what it sounds like. Nice. Um, Star Trek number 13. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Hive number one. Uh, True Blood number five. And Womanthology Space number one of five. Yes. Uh, from Image, we have Artifacts number 21. We have Little Depressed Boy number 13. Peter Penzerfaust number six. We have the trade paperback of Rebel Blood. We have Revival yes. number three. And we have Walking Dead number 102. Hell yeah. Uh, from Marvel, we have Avengers number 30. Avengers Academy number 37. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil number 18. Yeah. Uh, Dark Avengers number 181. Yeah. We have Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, The Man in Black number four of five. We have Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe number four of four. We have... Um, Let's see, we got here. We have a lot of trade paperbacks. We have Mighty <laughs> Thor number 20. We have New Mutants number 49. We have volume two of Greg Rekka's Punisher run, which. I need to get that. You, you do. It's pretty amazing. Um, Spider Man number five of five. So that yeah. series ends. Oh, cool. Um, we have Ultimate Comics Spider Man number 15. Ultimate Comics The Ultimates number 15. Oh my god, it's going to be another one of those days. Untold <laughs> Tales of the Punisher Max number 4. <laughs> Venom number 25. Um, X Factor number 244. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And from Xenoscope, we have Call of Wonderland number 404. Grim Fairy Tales Bad Girls number 2. And Irresistible number 3. Yes. Yeah. Irresistible has actually been fun. Cool. Uh, and I believe Grim Fairy Tales Bad Girls, number two, is written Joey by Esposito. Joey Esposito, yes, friend is. of the show, Joey Esposito. So uh, that is it for what's on the shelves this 
week. Uh, a lot of stuff to pick up. I'm sure that my wallet will be much lighter. <laughs> <laughs> As Steve would say, bring your wallets. Bring your wallets. <laughs> Leave your soul at the door. Oh, we got darker. It's the sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bring your wallets, colon. <laughs> Leave your souls at the door. All right. So um, if you want to get in touch with us, like I said, at Talking Comics on Twitter, um, talkingcomicbooks.com is the website. Uh, you know, news, reviews, articles. Uh, we're going to be starting our iCollect feature next week. Yes, we are. Uh, I've got Rankings New 52 up there right now. There's going to be a ton of reviews up uh, today and tomorrow from all our great contributors. So look for that stuff. Um, uh, Bob did a recap, actually, of Ghost, which mm-hmm. is up there right now. And on Friday, a review of... Uh, Zero. Well, Zero, yes. But, I mean, also, um, you'll have a review of the Flash Gordon book oh. going up. Uh, which is a cool, really big Titan release of all those old... Uh, Alex Raymond's. Alex yeah. Raymond's. Um, and uh, like I said, info at tongcombooks.com is the email address. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's is... At dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I am Hello Cookie. Bob's email address? Uh, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And if you guys liked the, uh, you know, our top secret origins that we read out on the podcast yesterday and you want to see them again, uh, check out our About page because Stephanie uh, made us a little section with that. And also, all our contributors are now up there. So take a look at that because you guys get to finally see, put a face and name to some of those people that have been writing those great articles yes. for us the, these past couple months now. Um, um, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, at the beginning of the show, we also mentioned briefly uh, – that I was running a trivia thing. And if you guys are in the Toronto area, uh, I would love it. Next week on September 26th, um, I'm running a geek trivia night at the Charlotte Room in Toronto. And if you are in the area, please join us. Uh, We have all kinds of cool prizes, and I'm really, really excited for it. Bob's been helping out. And if you want more information, you can go check it out at uh, facebook.com slash geek trivia. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Definitely check that out. It, if only just for the banner that Stephanie made, because it's a really, really cool logo. And she's probably going to wear her Batman onesie. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> or the boxers with the cape on the back. I mean, you, it's a win-win. Yeah. Both. There both. are so many outfits to choose from. <laughs> I also, as a random sidebar, have a Wonder Woman outfit. And if this becomes a monthly thing, a.k.a. if people show up next week, that could – if if you know the onesie doesn't show up or the Wonder Woman outfit doesn't show up, next month that could. So, if for no other reason, there's outfits to choose from. You're, you're just a tease. <laughs> Come just to see what I wear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Okay, so. Naomi Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That is it for another week of the Talking Comics podcast. For Steve. I am available for children's parties. Bob. <laughs> of Zane. And Stephanie. Yay. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.